When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The other side of midnight. Local spotlight. Dominic Carter in for Frank Morano this morning, at least for the first two hours, and then Curtis Lewa will be back to finish the last two hours. Governor Kathy Hochul was sworn into office yesterday becoming the first woman in New York State history to win a full four-year term as governor. She delivered a roughly 30-minute speech for her inauguration in Albany, talking big about plans for a new term following the unexpectedly close race against Republican Lee Zeldin. But right now, there's some fights we just have to take on. The affordability crisis in housing and energy and everything. It's making life just too damn hard for New Yorkers. And the gun violence epidemic. My gosh, the loss of lives goes on and on. The rise in hate crimes. What happened here? Especially anti-Semitism, Asian hate, anti-LGBTQ hate. And the systemic racism that still persists to this day, those are the fights we are called to take on. Governor Hochul at her inauguration yesterday. She, of course, replaced former Governor Andrew Cuomo after his 2021 resignation. Hochul's new term is already off to a rocky start even before it began with Democratic legislators, powerful unions, and progressives, the activists, that is, aiming to shoot down her nomination of Hector LaSalle to lead the state court of appeals, the highest court in the state. Also on the governor's plate, rising crime and somehow getting bail reform through the legislature. Lord knows we need it. We must have it. Even though the legislature does not appear to want any changes, there's also the issue of uncertain state finances. Folks, bottom line, we have to move back to the center and, dare I say, towards the right. The nomination of Judge LaSalle, a centrist, must passed the state Senate with the support of at least 32 out of 63 senators. At least 13 Democratic senators have already said they will vote against it. 29 other members of the majority party have yet to publicly express an opinion. The Albany event also featured the inaugurations of Lieutenant Governor Antonio Delgado, State Comptroller Tom DiNapoli and State Attorney General Letitia James, a one-time gubernatorial rival of Governor Kathy Hochul. I will be back in just a few minutes.
This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. And good morning. I'm Dominic Carter. Frank Morano has the uh, day off, a well-deserved uh, day off. And uh, Frank will be returning tomorrow. I will be with you for a couple of hours this morning. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about. We are taking your calls. 800-848-9222. Tomorrow, Tuesday, is a very big day when it comes to politics. When it comes to politics, House Republicans will take over control of the House. House Republicans plan investigations and who knows, possible impeachments with their new majority. The House GOP's small majority, it is a small majority, aims to cause plenty of big headaches for the Biden administration with probes into Hunter Biden, the border, and the Department of Justice ahead of 2024. Investigations into Hunter Biden's business deals, last year's Afghanistan withdrawal, and also the administration's handling of the pandemic. So Kevin McCarthy, if he is to emerge as the new speaker, will have his hands full. But, but let me be clear, folks. If House Republicans plan to be House investigators, that is a good thing. It is a good thing for America. Because we are, after all, or what our politics should be about, are checks and balances. Checks and balances. And I don't know about you, but after what happened in Afghanistan, some 13 soldiers losing their lives for what? For what? For a fast plan to get our soldiers out, which left us vulnerable. That should be investigated. Hunter Biden, the president's son, is another topic that should be investigated. What is taking so long with the investigations into the president's son? And I don't even have to tell you folks that the border, what's going on at the southern border, has to be under investigation. 
So tomorrow is a very big day in Washington, and it's also a test of McCarthy's leadership. Can he get the votes to become speaker? But there is also the issue of one Republican that is a problem for the party, but they need his vote. Certainly McCarthy needs his vote. And that is George Santos, the recently elected congressman from New York, Long Island, small portion of Queens. And Mr. Santos was elected in November, but has refused, has refused to step down after investigations, after, after investigations into his background found that he falsified key portions of his biography from his Jewish ancestry to his career and his education. And just one moment, I'm going to let you hear Texas Congressman Kevin Brady on Fox, on the Fox News Channel, on Fox News Sunday, rather, excuse me, declaring that the congressman, in one breath, Brady was saying that he should step down, and in another breath, Brady was declaring that he could weather the storm. And so whether the congressman-elect ultimately decides to give up his seat really is between him and the voters of his Long Island district. Brady also suggests, and you'll hear it in just a second, that there is a possibility that Santos may earn the forgiveness and trust of voters. But outgoing Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, also a Republican and former House member, is calling Santos' uh, lies, if you will, unacceptable and says that the House Ethics Committee should deal with this. But there is something that I'm taking exception to what Mr. Hutchinson had to say. He says the outgoing Arkansas governor says that January 6th should disqualify President Trump, President Trump from another term in office. And it is my contention that only you, the people, can make that decision. And that's one of the reasons why I would like to see a repeat of the Trump-Biden contest. Because it would put to rest, it would put to rest, hopefully it would, the last election. 
and those that strongly feel that the election was stolen from Mr. Trump. And I don't want to revisit that issue. As I often say, that train has left the station. And so we are taking your calls this morning. 800-848-9222. This is Texas Congressman Kevin Brady on Congressman-elect George Santos. Multiple accusations. Uh, He lied about everything from where he went to grade school to where he went to college, his religion, his employment history. Um, So far, Republican leadership, though, no condemnation, uh, largely silent altogether on the issue. Do you think that uh, Kevin McCarthy should condemn him? So, look, I think this is troubling in so many ways. Uh, Certainly he has lied repeatedly. At the end of the day, though, uh, this is a decision, whether he resigns or stays, that needs to be made between he and the voters who elected him. Uh, He's certainly going to have to consider resigning. He's got really two choices. I don't know this young man. He doesn't need my advice, surely. But, one, he can try to politically uh, ride it out. We've seen that happen in Washington, D.C. Or he can take the tougher choice, which is, I think... Look, own, own every lie that he's made. Apologize to everyone and anyone uh, for as long as it takes. But secondly, you've you got to change your life here. Something's, there's a real problem here. Uh, we're, we're a country of second chances. And when people are willing to turn their life around and, and own up to this, then do what it takes to earn respect and trust again. You know, we're willing to do that. So I'm hopeful, uh, you know, he chooses the right path here. Look- the right path here. And uh, that's the question. I've been covering politics a long time, close to 40 years. I don't know what the right path is. The voters put him in. The voters should ultimately have the final decision. Let's start with your telephone calls. 800-848-9222. No matter which state you're calling from, that's the number to reach us. And in a few minutes, we'll let you hear Governor Hutchinson on his way out the door. Believes January 6th disqualifies President Trump from running for office again. I say nonsense. Nonsense. The American people should make that decision. So this president, the former president, has not been charged with any criminal activity, and we're supposed to disqualify him from running again? It just doesn't make any sense. But we'll hear what you folks have to say. Let's begin with Ralph in New Jersey. Good morning, Ralph, and welcome to... Wait, 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 Ralph, 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 calm down, calm down. Okay, it's early in the morning. Welcome to the program. Go ahead. Uh, and thank you uh, for welcoming me and taking my call. Uh, and Happy New Year, by the way, Dominic Carter. Uh, what I find so amazing about this, uh, you know, uh, story pertaining to Santos, okay, uh, is the double standard, okay? Because people need to ask this question. The difference between Santos and Ocasio-Cortez is what? The difference between Santos and, and Ilhan Omar is what? There are discrepancy with those people too okay wait 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 ralph 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 calm down please now because i can't i can't follow you because you're talking so fast 
you said that there's no difference between AOC and George Santos. I have no, no idea what you're... Wait, no. Ralph, I don't want to cut That's you off. Please. Ralph, yeah. calm down. That's what you just said, and I have no idea what you're talking about. I, I, what I'm trying to say is to point out the double standard here. There is one standard for Anilan Omar and Ocasio-Cortez, but a different one. Okay, so, t- so tell one. me, okay, wait, 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 Ralph, you, you said okay. a double yeah. standard. Ralph, you said a double yes. standard. You need to tell me what is the double standard. Okay, for example, with Ocasio-Cortez, is he from the Bronx? Is he from the Bronx? And what the, the, the colleges that she went to, did she really went to those colleges that she claimed she went to? With regard to Ilhan Omar, the immigration issue, did she marry her own brother to gain legal status in this country? And those are issues unresolved as far as I, I'm concerned. Okay, so, so, wait, so wait, 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 wait. So, so you feel that's the equivalent? Wait, Ralph. You that's fe- the, that's Ralph, Ralph, I want you to focus yeah. on what I'm saying to you. You feel okay. that's the equivalent of the allegations that are against Mr. Santos? Is, is there an equivalent? No. Uh, no. There is no equivalent, but the double standard, again, we're going into the double standard. I, I think a caller has called here and talked about this man from Connecticut, uh, what, what, the, the senator that they have. What's his Blumenthal. name? Blumenthal. Senator and, Blumenthal and then, of then, Connecticut. Blumenthal. And then you have the the uh, native, the so-called Native American from Massachusetts. I mean, it goes on. It, okay, so. The Democrat begins okay. away with things. Okay, okay? so, Ralph. Begins away with things. Ralph. Democrat. Ralph. that way. Ralph. Okay, so yes. I, I I understand that's how you feel. So you believe that Mr. Santos should be sworn in tomorrow and serve his full two-year term? It, can they call another special election? If if that's possible, that another special election can, can no, be No, no, at, at this point, that's not an option. So please okay. answer my well, question, then and then I've got to move right. on. The answer is she has to be Santos has to be seated. Okay, all right. Okay, I hear you. I hear you. I, I, I hear you, Ralph. I hear you. Thank you for your call. Dominic Carter in for Frank Morano, the other side of midnight. We are taking your telephone calls on a number of topics this morning. Uh, also, uh, outgoing Arkansas. Governor Asa Hutchinson says January 6th should disqualify former President Donald Trump from being president. And that's nonsense. It sounds like it's a cheap personal shot that he's taking at Mr. Trump, like so many others. But we are taking your telephone calls as it relates to this issue, a number of issues. Let's go to uh, Douglas in Brooklyn, New York. Good morning, Douglas. What's on your mind? Good morning, Dominic. Uh, first off, I need to say Happy New Year to you and all the listeners. Thank you. Thank okay. you very much. Same to you and your family. Okay. Thank you, sir. And I just need to say this like delicately. 
I'd like to respectfully, respectfully disagree with you. Okay, so, so, yeah, so I understand. You don't have to set it up, Douglas. Just please go for it because I'd rather take a break. Go yeah. right ahead. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I agree with the Governor Hutchinson that Mr. Trump made a terrible mistake January 6th, and maybe he shouldn't run again. But based on, Douglas, what what, what is the argument? I mean, President Trump is not charged with a crime. What what is the argument to say he there should, should be? Been, Go ahead. There Go should ahead. have been no rally at all that day, and you most certainly don't send him to the Capitol building to interfere with the counties. Okay, but uh, what? First of all, you, you mean you mean with the not with the counting? I like Trump. You, I like Trump. But okay. On that day, he made a big mistake. Okay, fair enough. I thank you for your telephone call, Douglas from Brooklyn, New York. And we are taking your calls. Dominic Carter in for Frank Morano and the other side of midnight, 800-848-9222. We will be right back. The other side of midnight with Frank Morano. And we are back. Dominic Carter here with you in for Frank Morano and the other side of midnight. We are taking your telephone calls, 800-848-9222. The issue at hand, Congressman-elect George Santos representing Long Island and a small part of Queens, New York, is set to be sworn in tomorrow. Right around the corner, about 24 hours from now, and this is going to be very, very interesting. By now, we all know that Kevin McCarthy needs his vote to become Speaker. And this will be the first leadership test for McCarthy. So we are taking your calls, and let's go to Tony, Tony in New Jersey. Good morning, Tony, and welcome to the other side of midnight. Morning, Dominic. Uh, Happy New Year. Uh, I'd like to bring up a a topic that was uh, done a long time ago. Uh, Ted Kennedy, when he uh, had that girl in the uh, water in the Chappaquiddick, now, when he uh, ran away from that, the voters kept kept him in office. Now, why? Why? Are the, and he's a Democrat, but because Trump's a Republican, they don't want him to run in office. Give me a break. This, you know, this is crazy. Okay, Let but but, voters... but this, I I hear you, Tony, and you and I agree on this issue. But this is coming from a fellow Republican, Asa Hutchinson. He's probably a rhino, you know. There's a lot of traitors in the Republican Party. And personally, I think uh, after they have these hearings with the Democrats, they should start having some hearings on Republicans and find out where all the money's coming from. Personally, thank you. Fair enough. And I I thank you uh, for your telephone call, Tony, calling from uh, New Jersey. Have a, uh, a great day, Tony. Let's go to Chris in the Catskills of New York. Good morning, Chris, and welcome to the other side of midnight. Hey, good morning, Dominic. Fareed Zakaria six months ago discussed the polarization in this country's political system and governmental structure, and he started with the 1950s. 
how there was too much agreement and consensus between moderate Democrats and moderate Republicans like Rockefeller Republicans and future Kennedy Democrats. In the late 50s, Zakaria chronicled how the emergency. Okay, wait, Chris, Chris, what does that have to do with what I'm talking about right now? No, I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get Chris, to it. Chris, 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 no, 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 Chris. I don't have all day for you to tell us what some other host is saying. What is the point? So basically, he chronicled how the civil rights movement in the late 50s started leading to division, and that was shown with the Kennedy-Nixon presidential election, how it was so close. So we've essentially had a polarized political system, in my opinion, ever since then, outside of the Reagan 80s. Now, fast forward to today, and there's you have political strategies and politicians they run on ideology or movements. You have the Democratic Party, the progressive movement, and now the socialist a little bit. They figured out how to hijack the Democratic Party primary process because the people that are registered Democrat that are progressives and now socialist a little bit, they show up in a much higher frequency to vote in primaries than moderate to conservative Democrats who unfortunately only vote once every four years. Chris, again, what does that have to do? Excuse me. You're talking about the Democratic primary. What does that have to do with the topic at hand? Well, you were just bringing up before about progressives, the beginning of your show, the end of your last show. Right. But right now, Chris, we're before a national audience. And so folks are not going to know exactly what what you're talking about and i don't know what you're talking about so i'm, I'm well, just what do you i'm mean? just you not... cover politics you know exactly what i'm talking about chris, you, chris what you're you, asking me why it relates to chris Trump chris and... chris you have an issue that you want to focus on that you want to focus on i haven't heard anything that illustrates it has anything to do with any of the topics we're dealing with this morning that's the only point i'm making to you you were just talking about something 10 minutes ago. <laughs> okay, Chris, we're just not seeing eye to eye. I, I, I have no idea what you're talking about or why it's important, but thank you. Uh, thank you for the call. Let's go to uh, Michael from New Jersey. Good morning, Michael, and welcome to the other side of midnight. Yeah, good morning. Uh, the reason I'm calling is um, you seem to feel that the problem that they're having in this city and a lot of other cities is the fact that they have so much crime and they have all of these liberal uh, um people, all these liberal politicians, the judges, the district attorneys, um, the, all of these pro- these people are liberal. That's what's causing the problem. Is is that how you feel that's causing the problem in these cities? Yes, that's that's a great part of the problem. Yes. Sir. Okay, I totally disagree, and I'm going to tell you why. The, these people, all of these problems that we're having in the city, is a result of what is causing the problem. It's the after effects. Now, what is actually causing the problem, believe it or not, is Audrey. Audrey from Brooklyn is causing the problem. Audrey in other cities are causing the problem because, as you said, votes have consequences. Elections have consequences. Audrey and all the other Audreys throughout the United States keep voting for these Democratic progressive liberals, and they'll never stop. And if if they would stop voting for them, 
and, and let people who would vote Republican conservative and vote in people who are law and orderists, we wouldn't have these problems. These problems are a result of Audrey and all the other Audreys putting them in office. Now, if we had Dominic Carter's and Larry Elder's and Candace Owens and, and Diamond and Silk in these, in these inner cities voting, there wouldn't be any crime. There wouldn't be any crime because they would never vote these people in. This is what's causing the crime, to be honest about it, in most of the black inner cities, is that black people are voting, but they're voting in the wrong way. It's good that they're voting, because years ago they didn't vote. They didn't vote. Today they are voting, but they're voting for the wrong people. And as long as they keep voting for the wrong people, yes, you're going to have muggings and murders and and stabbings and beatings to death, and it's never going to change. And every city... Every city is going to become a slaughterhouse, city after city. And my prediction is within four to five years, New York will be the next murder capital of the United States, unless they change. And I think you know and I know they're never going to change. You tried talking to Audrey. You tried explaining to her, Audrey, who's going to pay for all the money that it's going to cost for these illegals? Does it sink into her brain? Does she, does she listen to you? No, it doesn't sink in. She will never change. They killed her cousin. They shot him dead, remember? She was crying on the phone saying, oh, they killed my cousin. Okay, well, wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Michael, Michael, do me a favor. Yeah. Let's, let's not mock someone who's... No, I'm not fa- who, wait, 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 let, let me finish. Whose family member was murdered. That, okay. That's not cool. But, but okay, continue. here's what I'm Go saying. Ahead. Yeah, here's what I'm saying. You you said that if these politicians had a family member killed, I did. see how fast did. they change from being a liberal to a conservative. What I'm saying is you're wrong because she's a perfect example. Did she change? They killed her cousin. They, she was crying about it. So you say, Audrey, they killed your cousin. You called the person who killed them an animal. So what are you going to do about it, Audrey? Who are you going to vote for for governor? Well, I'm going to vote for Hochul. You're going to vote for Hochul. Hochul is allowing these people to run wild, to commit crime. That proves that you're wrong. Even if you kill a family member, they are so fanatically Democrat, they will never, never change. And that's why the city is going to go under. There's no hope in saving it. The city will die. And then the next city, the same thing. City after city after city is going to die. And all of the Michaels and all of the Dominic Carters will move into the suburbs, and they'll never move back, okay. which would change the vote. Okay, Michael, 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 and I'm, I'm giving yeah. you time to express your point of view. But, but, I, but I do need a counter. I do need a counter. So just hold on one second. You're still live. Yeah. And we see all the calls that are coming in from around the country. I'm now going to bring in David from the Bronx. You guys are polar opposites. Right. So, so if you two start arguing with each other and we can't hear a word that you're saying, we will be forced to cut you off. But, I will let him speak. Okay, and then good. I'll... okay good. So, David, yeah. in the Bronx, New York, you have the floor. You just heard what Michael said. Okay. Now, I've accused Michael of being a closet racist in the past, 
and he just proved it. You do not have the right, sir, to tell black people who to vote for or how to vote. And why you're attacking Audrey, of all people, who I don't agree with all the time, but is a very nice lady, is despicable. Okay? Diamond and Silk and Larry Elder, you think are representative of how black people are supposed to vote? They do not represent the mainstream of the black community. That is clear. And I disagree with Dominic frequently because he and I don't agree on a lot of things. He's entitled to his opinion just like these other people are. But I'll tell you why I will never, ever vote Republican. Republicans are the party of racism denial. People like you who say racist stuff, use code words all the time, deny that you're racist, but then – you know, you attack black people all the time. You act like we're all criminals or that we all forgive crime. I've been the victim of black crime on multiple occasions. I do not make excuses for the black cult- culture, which has a lot of problems. Dominic and I, I think, can agree on that, at least, that there are severe problems in the black community. But there are black people working every day to solve those problems, not that they get credit from people like Michael who just wants to point his finger and say that everything is going down the toilet when it isn't. Okay, okay can I answer? Go ahead. Yes, yes, go okay. right ahead, Michael. Here's what I'm going to say. This is my proof. Newark, New Jersey, Patterson, New Jersey, Camden, New Jersey, Baltimore, Maryland, uh, Atlanta, Georgia, New Orleans, Louisiana, Detroit, Gary, Indiana, Washington, D.C., uh, Houston, Texas, Liberty City, Florida, all of these cities, Dominic and I and, and most other law-abiding black people wouldn't step foot in, let alone live in, right? How did these cities become so riddled with crime, so saturated with it? Because see, when I say Audrey, yeah, she's a very nice person, but the way Audrey thinks is the way the black people in these cities thought. And what they did was they voted in all these great mayors like Mayor Lightfoot and the mayor of New Orleans, which now has the joy and happiness of saying, my city is the murder capital of the United States. So every black city, every black city, and not all black people, but see, it's, it's maybe like five, six, seven percent of black people that are committing the crime. The problem is the other 90 percent are Audrey. They keep voting in these Democratic progressives. See, they're causing it with their vote, not because they're committing crime. They're causing it because they keep voting in people like Alvin Bragg and Eric Adams and Hoko and de Blasio. And if you notice, they're white, but they, they're terrible. They are allowing crime just like the black progressive liberals because they're progressive liberals. So that proves my point. Okay, all right. Okay. the name of a, of, a, of a black city of a black city that has a black mayor that is livable, that you can not worry about walking down the street. And let Dominic tell me the name of a black city that he would be willing to live in. Let him tell me. Okay. Well, Dominic, can I respond to that, please? Yes, yes. One more okay. response each. Each We have a lot of calls. <laughs> and, and, and the topic, by the way, we, we've diverted far from the topic. The topic happened to be Congressman-elect George Santos, uh, who has admitted to telling a number of lies uh, with his personal life, his career, and so on, due to take office uh, tomorrow to be sworn in. And uh, also, uh, Governor Asa 
Hutchinson of Arkansas says that January 6th should disqualify President Trump from being president again. But we're talking right now to David from the Bronx, New York, Michael from the great state of New Jersey. David, go right ahead. Okay. Now, he listed a long list of black majority cities. Let me tell you something. There are parts of this country where the majority of uh, that are, are majority white where they have issues, okay? I'm not denying, and I said this from the get-go, that there is a problem in the black community that needs to be addressed. But it's a poverty issue. It's a social issue. It's not to do with the actual skin color, which is what Michael is implying, okay? Listen, Michael, you don't like black people. Why don't you just come out and admit it, Michael? You basically say this almost every time you call. Listen, I've experienced racism. I'm 51 years old, okay? I've experienced racism starting from my very youngest ages as an interracial person growing up on Long Island. So I know it when I hear it. Why don't you just come out and admit it? What's wrong? You know, the racist people that call this station, they never want to admit that they're racist. Why is that? Why are you ashamed of being a racist, Michael? Why don't you just admit it? You think that we're all criminals or that we support criminals or that we vote for criminals when we're not. Most black people are God-fearing Christians, okay? We're being held hostage by our so-called leaders who are not really representing us, and that's a whole other issue. You know, Dominic and I agree on that. But I am not going to sit here and let some racist cretin like you bash my community unfairly. Okay, Michael, you have the uh, final say here, guys. You two are something else. I didn't say 90% or or 92%, okay? And it's it's a 7%. Now, you say it's because of poverty. No, it's not because of poverty. Because when the Chinese came here, they they couldn't speak the language. They all moved into into Chinatown, which has these fourth floor and fifth floor walk-ups, rats and roaches. And you know what? You can walk down Chinatown at 2 o'clock clock in the morning and nobody will bother you. There's no crime. No, the problem is, isn't that the majority of the black people are criminals? They definitely aren't. The problem is that 90% of black people keep voting for people like Bragg and, and, and Eric Adams and Hochul and de Blasio. Let me tell you something else. There is a town in Long Island called Valley Stream beautiful place to live. No crime, no gangs, no drive-bys, no carjackings. The people there all work. Clean place. Nobody hangs out. Fantastic place to live. Oh, and I forgot to mention one more thing. It is like 90% black. Okay, these are black people who, like Dominic Carter and Michael, left the city and moved into the suburbs. And that is where all the Michaels and the Dominic Carters and all black people that that can't tolerate the crime anymore. They don't want to be victims of carjackings and of drive-bys and of being shot and stabbed and beaten to death are moving to the suburbs. So don't think it's only white people that are leaving the city. No, no, no. Black people are leaving in massive amounts. What is left in the city is the dirt poor black people who will keep keep voting Democrat and the thugs and the murderers. And that's why all the cities I named are unlimited. Okay, uh, David, I'll, I'll give you 10 seconds, and, and then we have to wrap this up because there are so okay. many other callers. Go ahead. 
No, I understand, Dominic. Uh, as far as these, this suburb thing, I grew up in Long Island. There are plenty of suburbs out there like Wine Dance, Hampstead, Brentwood, where there is high crime, and it's not just black people. And as far as Chinatown goes, the Chinese have their Chinese gangs. So take that. Thank you, Dominic. Happy New Year. Okay. Thank you, David, from the Bronx, New York. Michael from <laughs> from New Jersey. Thank you, gentlemen. I've, I've got to uh, take a break. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Dominic Carter in this morning for Frank Marano, who has the day off. I've got to go take some aspirin, and I will be right back. Stay with us. The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. Dominic Carter here with you folks in for Frank Morano. Let's go back to the telephone calls. We are taking your calls. In a moment, I'm going to go to Jay in Ohio, but let's start with Norman in Brooklyn, New York. Good morning, Norman. You are on the other side of midnight. Good morning, Dominic. Um, Look, we all got to get along. That's it. You know, when I hear Michael and and when I hear Michael and David, and I've I, you know I've had debates with David, um, um, we should all just take a deep breath, both of us, both both parties, okay? Um, good and bad people everywhere, and uh, we got to get along. I mean, that's it. This is that's my that's my statement. You know, I mean, as far as like. As far as like uh, voting, you know, um, David should keep his heart open to the possibility of voting from somebody who's who's a, who is a, a Republican, and so should Michael. I mean, I, I, you know, I just this extreme partisanship out there is killing us. And I mean, that, that's and, my know, point, Norman. I'm I'm going to let you finish, but to be yeah, honest I, with I mean, you, to be honest with you. I I knew what would happen bringing these two together, but it's for a bigger point, a bigger point that the partisanship is is literally killing the country. And we've got to find a way to get along and work with each other when it comes to politics. Right. I mean, I'm involved with all sorts of of things, you know, like the anti-mandate stuff. And, yes, I did get involved with something uh, with, like, uh, you know, I've discussed with the the drag time uh, story hour, which I oppose. But, you know, we can get along. We can discuss this. We don't have to kill each other. You know, I mean, I, I said to I said to one of. The members who went to that rally the other day, which was very, a very violent rally. I mean, you know, I mean, you had Antifa there, and you had uh, you had members of the Proud Boys, and you had, you know, and who I. We got to get along. We got to have dialogue. I yes. say this to some of my friends who go to these rallies. You know, like, do you ever try talking to them? I keep my heart open, and I live my life. In a, I live my look. I live in a black neighborhood. You know, I mean, uh, 
you know, I, like, I know it's cliche. You know, some of my best friends are black. Some of my best friends are black, you know, and um, they tend to be conservative, though. But, you know, I, I have I have I have a, my best friend in California is a lib and I love him. I don't talk politics with him, but, you know, it's you, you can't you know, we got to get along. That's all. Fair, I mean, I don't, I, I don't have an answer how. But okay, well, we'll I, I I don't have the answer either, Norman. But I, but I appreciate your call. Thank you, Dominic Carter, in for Frank Morano. You are listening to the other side of midnight. I mentioned Jay in Ohio. Good morning, Jay. What's on your mind this morning? Yeah, uh, Dominic. You got my attention, Jay. Go ahead. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, January 6th, there was a lot of, you know, phony business going on there. People have a right to congregate and get their grievances addressed by the government. All right? There were crimes that were committed that day, but it was committed by the government on the people. Right? The FBI... Right, and their agitators caused a lot of the problems and killed killed people. Right, the people who were who were there to address their grievances, most of them were peaceful. Donald Trump even told the people to go home in peace. Donald Trump committed no crime, and most of the people who are sitting in jail right now did not commit any crimes. And Merrick Garland needs to be prosecuted and put in jail for his crimes against the people. And as far as Santos, the people voted for him. They have a right to vote for him, even though uh, Santos committed a fraud on his constituents. But by the same token, the U.S. Congress does not have to seat him. And they also have a right to investigate him to make sure that he is um, an American citizen. And, and also investigate who the puppet master is, who paid who paid eleven million dollars, from what I heard, right, <clears throat> to back him. Well, I I don't know anything about that. Uh, the question is, he says he funded his own campaign yeah, of sure. uh, of seven hundred thousand dollars, and that's going to be thoroughly investigated. Should yeah, he, he be? Should he, Jay? Before I move on, should he be seated twenty four hours from now? No. They need to investigate him first, right? Or if they do see him, they still need to investigate him while he's seated. Mm-hmm. But they, you know what I'm saying? But whatever the procedure is, because I don't know. But they need to investigate him, find out where his money came from, and find out who he really is and his entire background. And they need, also need to do it with the vice president, because that's that's something – from what I understand, has never been settled whether she's an American citizen or not. Okay, what? Well, where, where is that coming from, Jay? Before I move uh, on, because the, all right, the word is that she's from she's either from Canada or from Jamaica. That's where she was born. She has no right being if, if that's true, and she's never been fully investigated. That has to be that has to be fully investigated okay. with the new Congress. Okay, well, Jay, I I appreciate your call. Let me go to Larry in Brooklyn, New York. Good morning, Larry. 
Uh, Frank Morano has the day off. I'm Dominic Carter subbing for him. What's on your mind? Hey, Dominic, how you doing? You, re- you know me, right? Uh, yes, yes. Go right ahead, please. Okay. Well, first of all, uh, Jay is right on. You know, he is. He, he he knows where everything is at. He's got all his T's crossed and everything. And uh, but I'll say, let me say something about Santos. If he is, if he doesn't turn out to be a democratic plant, and he's authentic, I, he he definitely should be seated. And I'll tell you why, because Biden was seated. Okay. Now I, I don't want to hear from you that that ship has sailed out of the, the, the harbor already. The ship is never is, is never sailed out of the harbor. I mean, I, I mean, as soon as Twitter was revealed that the, that the FBI got involved with suppressing that laptop. All the January 6th prosecutions should have been reversed right then and there because, like Jay said, it was a legitimate protest against the government. That proved its legitimacy. Okay, People wait. have the right. Okay, wait, Larry. Now, as far as Santa, I'm not wait, 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 wait. Larry, yeah. calm yeah. down. All right. Number one, you just said, I want to make sure I got this right. Yeah, yeah. As soon as the laptop issues popped up, Right. That the people being prosecuted for January 6th, all of those cases should be dropped. I don't yep. understand how you're making this connection. I'll tell you how. Because then it becomes a case of the Boston Tea Party. It becomes a case against one, against the people, against the foreign government. The FBI has become a foreign entity, an adverse entity to the people, a, a subversive entity. Just like Britain was, okay? Okay, so so then if you're going to make that argument about the FBI, shouldn't yeah. all of their cases be dropped against Democrats and Republicans? What do you mean against Democrats? Uh, any case that they may have. Well, not the FBI doesn't bring cases. The government brings cases. We're talking about January 6th, protesting the election. What, what, are the, what are the other FBI cases that have to do with the election? Cases that have to do with the election I'm talking about. Okay, I, I I I hear you, but but I I just don't really. So you don't have any problem whatsoever with the allegations against the congressman elect. No, let me tell you why. Because he didn't steal no election, Dominic. He didn't steal no election. And he, and, he and lied. you said you okay, but wait, you said you said that Biden should not have been sworn in, and that's based on what? Biden should based upon the fact that he was that that that. that, that it was a massive fraud perpetrated on the American people. Wait, 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 wait. What's the fraud? What's the fraud? The fraud was that the people really wanted Trump. Oh, come the on. People now. really, really. Larry, Larry, really, Larry, do you, do you really, in your heart of hearts, believe that? Do I, do I believe my heart of hearts? Let me answer. How many people came to Biden's rally? If you counted on on, on your on your feet and your, and your hands. Well, Trump draws massive, massive thousands of people. That is that true. Says it all. Come on, Dominic. That, that, but that, but, that, but, that, but, that, but that's not that's not the electorate. That doesn't tell us that. I agree with you. Uh, former President Trump would draw thousands and thousands and thousands at his rally, and he and, still does. And and I don't think Mr. Biden could pull out even as president of the United States three hundred people. At, at some more, events, but that doesn't prove. That but, that do, but that doesn't prove that either one won the election. That just says that one is better at pulling out crowds. Okay, nothing proves anything because nothing ever got any anywhere in a court of law. That's not the point. 
Okay, the, let, let me just finish with Santos. I think I made quickly, my point here quickly, already. Quickly, I, we, we could debate, debate this infinitum. Santos lied about himself, but he did not commit fraud on the people in terms of stealing an election. So one is bad, but it's not as bad as what they did. And therefore, it should be put in – if they got away with it, we should get away with it. Okay, this. So, 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 so when does it stop? All, all, all you're doing, Larry, based on, on your argument, it, yeah. you know what I'm about to say. One side says, don't look – one side says, don't look at us, look at them. They're the bad guys. The other guys say, "Don't look, and gals, don't look at us. Look at look at them. They're the bad guy. When does it stop, Larry? You're absolutely right, Dominic, but you know what? It ain't going to stop. You know why? Because the Democrats are not interested in playing fair or being good people. We have to play hardball with them and knock them out of the park. That's the bottom line. It's unfortunate, but that's what we have to do. Thank you, Larry, for the call from Brooklyn, New York. Let's go to Elizabeth. Elizabeth in Manhattan. Good morning, Elizabeth. Welcome to the other side of midnight. Thank you. I'm just delighted to be here. Uh, first off, I'd like to nominate you if there is ever a presidential debate. I'd nominate you as the nar- the moderator. I think, uh, because I don't think sides will agree, letting those sides present themselves as starkly as they themselves wish is exactly what you did in that debate about four um, speakers ago. So that's my first point. My second point is even more brief than that, and that is my only reason if I should believe that Trump should not run is because I don't want Republicans to once again use the excuse that it was Trump's fault that he lost. It was Trump's fault that we didn't do as well as we expected in the recent election. I just don't want Republicans to fall back on blaming Mr. Trump, regardless of any particular feelings I have about him as president or as a candidate. Okay, do, and I usually do, am not up at night, so I really thank you very much for introducing me to your amazing audience. They're well, all so you. bright and so involved. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, we appreciate you, and uh, we hope that your new year is off to a good start. Let's stay in Manhattan, New York. Let's go to uh, Max. Max, good morning. Frank Morano has the day off. I'm Dominic Carter, subbing for Mr. Morano. What's on your mind? Max, are you with me? Max going once, going twice, gone. Bob in Westchester, New York. Good morning, Bob. What's on your mind? Good morning, Dominic. I just want to, I just want to say one thing. I'm going to be very clear about this. We're facing a, a World War III unless Trump is reelected because he's proved himself he can deal with these world leaders. If he's not elected, he kisses world goodbye. Well, Bob, you know, that one may say that's pushing it to the extreme, but, 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 Bob, we didn't have these uh, Putin problems as it relates to Ukraine under former President Trump. There is no denying that. There is no denying that. And so, Bob, are you still with me? Yes, sir. So, Bob, uh, how does all of this play out? Yeah, well, you know what, Bob? Wait, 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 Bob, Bob. What I want you to do, Bob, if you don't mind holding, it's going to be a few minutes. I do want to continue with you, and we will go to all the other callers. 800-848-9222. Dominic Carter in for Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight.
other side of midnight. Local spotlight. Dominic Carter in for Frank Morano, and I will be with you this hour. And then Curtis Lewa will take over to finish the last two hours of Frank's show. Frank has the day off. Have you ever noticed, no matter what we the taxpayers, always get hit with an increase? We pay. It seems like no matter what. The Port Authority of New York and New Jersey citing a double whammy of a $3 billion revenue loss over two and a half years due to travel downturns caused by COVID-19, the pandemic, and inflationary cost increases. Well, the Port Authority Board of Commissioners of New York and New Jersey voted to increase tolls. The last fair hike and fair increase came in just 2019. Perhaps this is good news, what I'm about to say. The tolls between the Port Authority bridges and tunnels between New Jersey and New York don't go up into another few days on January 8th, but they will increase by $1. With the new year, tolls have gone up on New Jersey highways, bridges, and tunnels. The toll increases are piled on top of energy, grocery, and housing costs, as many see expenses increasing faster than income. Tell us about it. As a result, drivers using the New Jersey Turnpike, the Garden State Parkway, the Atlantic City Expressway, and again, the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey's bridges and tunnels will all see a toll increase within days. The authorities are self-supporting, meaning they earn revenue primarily through tolls or other sources, such as the concession stands that you see. They don't receive funding from the state gas tax or other taxes. But here is some bad news. Tolls on the Turnpike, its sister highway, the Parkway, and the AC Expressway are increasing for a third straight year. This is due to a process called indexing, which ties a toll increase to economic indicators. I call it a process of simply taking our money for less than good service. I'll be right back in just a few minutes. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. And good morning. I'm Dominic Carter filling in for Frank Morano. Frank has the day off. He will be back tomorrow. We are taking your telephone calls. 800-848-9222. In a moment, I'm going to go back to uh, Bob in Westchester, who I was just, Westchester, New York, who I was just chatting with a second ago. And he believes that President Trump is the only one that can, that can save us. But first, folks, I want you to consider this. 
And uh, we see your calls coming in as we speak, and we are going to be getting to them momentarily. I want you to consider this. You think that you may have bad luck? Well, imagine what some people in the U.K. went through. Over the Christmas holiday, 8,000 patients, 8,000 received a message that they are dying of cancer instead of a holiday greeting. Can you just imagine that? A doctor's office in the UK texted thousands of patients the startling news that they were dying of aggressive lung cancer when they just meant to wish them a very Merry Christmas. Wow. It go it went on the text message asking patients to fill out a form that allows people with terminal illnesses to claim benefits, leaving many who got the text messages in tears. But within hour, within an hour, the doctor's office sent a follow-up offering sincere apologies for the previous text message sent. Can you imagine receiving a text message like that, that you're not going to be here any longer, when reality all they meant to say was Merry Christmas? Wow. And so the topic we were discussing a short time ago and uh, is continuing to put it on the table, a Republican says January 6th, a Republican governor says January 6th disqualifies former President Donald Trump from being president again. That's nonsense. It's coming from Governor Asa Hutchinson of Arkansas. Former President Trump has not been charged with a single crime. And so how does that stop him from becoming president again? It's nonsense. It sounds like a cheap political shot, even though it's coming from a fellow Republican. Mr. Hutchinson, the governor of Arkansas, appeared on the Sunday morning talk shows. I do not believe that Donald Trump should be uh, the next president of the United States. Uh, I think he's had uh, his opportunity there. I think January 6th really disqualifies him for the future. And so we move beyond that, and uh, that's what so, I'm going to be focused on. So, so if, if January 6th disqualifies him, um, if you're going to do everything you, you can to be sure he's not president again, will you not support him if he is the Republican nominee? Just, just a simple question. Will you say, look, I'll, I'll write in another Republican. You don't have to f- support a Democrat. You can write in another Republican. That's what Larry Hogan's done twice. Uh, w- w- will you say, I'm not going to support him no matter what? Well, I want to see what the alternatives are, and it's premature, Jonathan, to get into what might happen in 2024. Uh, that issue will come up, but I want to see uh, everything I can do 
uh, to make sure there is the alternative and that Donald Trump is not the nominee of the party. That's the first thing, and let's figure out how to do that. Interesting. So you don't want him to be president again when he has not been charged with the crime. And as I have said, was January 6th his best hour, his best day? No, but he didn't do anything criminal. I was just chatting with Bob in Westchester, New York. Bob, I want to bring you back into the conversation. You just heard what the governor of Arkansas had to say. What do you think about that? I thought you I thought you were innocent to prove you guilty. Right. That That's what I always thought, too. Apparently, uh, the, that gentleman feels differently. And so you feel that Trump, Trump can win again this time around? Absolutely. And I'll tell you why. He's proven himself on the world stage. Many of these idiots on the world stage, they respect him. They know he's not a man to mess with. And I'm telling you right now, we live in very dangerous times. North Korea, Iran, and Russia, and China. You want to take a chance to have DeSantis who hasn't proven himself on the world stage? Well, you know, Bob, you are making some very good points, and it's my contention. It's my contention. We didn't have the issues as it relates to Ukraine under Trump with Russia. It happened under Biden. And it happened under Biden because the message that's sent is that the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. And we just look weak on the world stage, on the world stage. Bob, thank you for your call. Let's go to uh, Howard. Howard is calling from Babylon, Long Island in New York. Good morning to you, Howard. Good morning to you, Dominic. I don't have too much to say. I just want to say that I support Donald Trump. I think Biden and his administration is an absolute train wreck. And But why do you say that, Howard? The economy is a disaster. Who, who, you know what, Howard, who, who, I I dare someone to to call up right now and tell me that the economy is not in a disaster situation, not in, and, and, go ahead, go ahead. I just want to say that inflation is killing us here. The supermarket prices are insane. I've been out shopping and I know what things cost. And and and, and w- w- is there one item that you've seen the biggest increase in? Because folks have been calling me, telling me about eggs, how expensive eggs are now. Breakfast cereal is seven dollars for a large box. Eight dollars. It's Kellogg's. It's crazy. For one box. One box. That's correct. Wow. Howard, we uh, we appreciate the call. But you know what, Howard, before I let you go, what's crossing my mind is that within 24 hours, within 24 hours, Republicans take control of the House, and we know there are going to be plenty and lots of investigations. Mm-hmm. I firmly believe that's a good thing because we live in a country that is supposed to be about checks and balances, and, and, yeah, and, right. and, and when Democrats, well, when, when Republicans have the White House, it's a good thing if Democrats can engage in checks and balances and vice versa. Your thoughts? I think what we have is gridlock. We have a lame duck president. Nothing's going to get done for the next two years. And I think that favors Donald Trump. 
and not DeSantis? I'm sorry, sir. And not and not the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis. I don't know too much about the man to tell you the truth. Why is he vying for the nomination for president Republican? Well, we will see. That is the million dollar question, Howard. We will see. Yeah. I, I I thank you for the call. Let's go to Phil and met him, met him, in New Jersey. Good morning to you, sir. Uh, good morning, Dominic. Uh, I was just going to say that when people are speaking of the technicalities of Asa Hutchinson's idea that uh, Trump can't run again, that he's precluded, it's really not. This isn't a court of law that Asa uh, Hutchinson is operating in. He's operating in politics, and what he's doing is he's moving the needle. He's giving other Republicans cover. He's setting himself up. He's making a calculated risk assessment that he's going to move forward with the Republicans that are looking to reclaim their party from the Trumpanzees. And that's happening in a lot of different places currently in the Republican Party. There's people like Liz Cheney who really has no discernible constituency but who went ahead and grabbed, grabbed the mantle whether or not, and as she said, she ruined her own chances of getting reelected in Wyoming, but she did it for whatever her reasons were, ethics, morals. Asa Hutchinson and uh, they're all moving in the same direction, and what you have is a civil war happening right now, shaping up right now, and the party's going to have to go one way or another or split, or there's going to have to be an exodus from, from the party with people that have to go make common cause with conservatives, I mean uh, middle-of-the-road Democrats, it's it's many things are happening right now and nobody can predict what's going to happen. And it, it is definitely going to be interesting. Phil, we thank you for the call calling uh, from uh, New Jersey. Let's go to Ed, Staten Island, New York. Good morning, Ed. What's on your mind here on the other side of midnight? Good morning, Dominic. It has to be Donald Trump for president. And it's very simple. Uh, the Canadian uh, leader, he's a teenager. The U.K., they're like leaderless right now. They're in a flux. The Germans are beholden to Russia because of their buying their natural gas from them. So uh, Trump, with, with Trump, you get Jared. With Jared, has a great relationship with Bibi Netanyahu. So right away, Trump comes in and the world is stable again. You know, you know, Ed, um, people, people are going to say, this is what people are going to say. Oh, well, you know what, Dominic, you, you, for some reason you like Trump. So that's why you agree with that. But, but Ed, the fact of the matter is for the most part, the world was stable. At least the United States, at least the Southern border, at least there was a plan. At least people were not literally just walking through fences coming into the country and, and which in which we've got to pay for all of this. Yeah, you know, Ed, and, and I'm talking about the border right now. Every time I see someone walk through a fence and come into the country, I'm thinking about how many thousands of dollars that's gonna cost each of us in benefits. And yeah. so and so you're right, Ed. There was some stability with Trump in the White House. The Democrats wanted this war. Victoria Nuland is a Democratic operative, and she's an advisor to Zelensky. Putin said to Zelensky, 
I just want the Damas region, and I want Crimea because it's a warm water port, and I don't want you to join NATO. Look at Putin's uh, position. NATO has been crouching on his western border since World War II. He's paranoid. He feels threatened. And Victoria Nuland told him not to take the deal. That's why we're putting so much money. It's our proxy war that we started. Well, it, it, all we can do is hope that it's going to end soon uh, because the yeah. people – thank you for the call, Ed. The people of Ukraine are paying dearly for what is going on. And we are also discussing this morning on the other side of midnight. We see your calls coming in. Please continue to give us calls at 800-848-9222. The other side of midnight, Frank Morano has the day off. And so we were also discussing Congressman-elect George Santos, in which one of the signs that his standing is growing increasingly shaky. His campaign press secretary resigned last week. The press secretary resigned, and... uh, a Democratic congressman has introduced the Santos Act. Congressman Richie Torres of New York announced Thursday night he's introducing legislation that would require candidates for federal office to disclose their employment, educational, and military history under oath. False statements would be punishable as perjury. That's not going to pass the House, but it's posturing. It's not going to pass because the Republicans have control of the House. And the only question as of right now, does McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy of California, does he become Speaker? Can he pull it off? And he needs Santos in every vote that he can get. We are going to take a break right now. When we come back, we're going to go right back to the telephone calls and take your calls. The number to reach us this morning, 800-848-9222. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Good morning. We are back. Dominic Carter here with you in for Frank Morano, the other side of midnight. We hope that your day is going quite well thus far. We are discussing right now the issue that the governor of Arkansas, Asa Hutchinson, on his way out the door, believes January 6th disqualifies former President Donald Trump, from being president again. And I have had it, folks, by the way, with the far left and in terms of uh, what's going on in the country, a story that I meant to tell you folks about the other day, the U.S. Marines are being told to stop using sir and ma'am 
to avoid misgendering superiors. You have the drag queen hour stories at libraries across the country. Drag queens dressed provocatively reading to school children. The world that we live in today. And then in New York City, three police officers minding their business trying to protect the residents of New York City, trying to protect the residents of New York City. And a man from Maine who's been uh, radicalized, uh, according to police, a 19-year-old, in which they're looking at this as an incident of terrorism because of his online postings. And in New York City, this happened around uh, 52nd Street and 8th Avenue, about 9.30 p.m. Saturday night, just hours before the ball dropped. All three officers, he attacked them allegedly with a machete in New York City. All three officers hospitalized, one with a fractured skull. All three expected to recover. One officer, a rookie officer, who had just graduated from the police academy on Friday. This is what it sounded like on the police radio transmissions, followed by the police commissioner of New York City. Uh, officer staff at the location. Be advised, we have a male uh, MOS staff to the head in regards to West 528 Avenue. Seek to have a person custody. Unprovoked, a 19-year-old male approached an officer and attempted to strike him over the head with a machete. The male then struck two additional officers in the head with the machete. The world we live in. It's time to stop this nonsense with coddling criminals. Law and order. Law and order. You can't stop a lone wolf. But, 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 you can you can send signals that you're not joking around. You can send signals that you're not playing. And that's what is needed in our country. Let's go to E. Frank in Astoria, Queens. Good morning. What's on your mind? Yes, once again, Dominic, uh, like I was saying in the last hour, I was cornered many times on the street by individuals that the police were unaware were in, 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 in the vicinity. I'll give you two examples that I was cornered. Number one, you know, this man was dangerous. The police knew he was a gang member, a high-ranking gang member. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Sundance Oliver. I'm going to the post office. He's there. I see his tattoos. I see the description. What? I didn't say anything because the postal clerks work for the federal government. They can care less who goes in and who goes out of the post office. What happens three, four days later? He goes on that rampage. Another incident, I see a bank robber, uh, the Ukrainian holiday uh, bank bandit years ago. I was going to call it in. I was going to call it, but then uh, I didn't want to deal with the press and, you know, get a reward or be, uh, pat it on the back by my local precinct. So I let it go. And then about a few hours later, FBI agents probably caught it through some sort of police camera and they apprehended the individual at the, their home. This is the problem with the police departments throughout our country. They don't really want to use training. Many of them are timorous to 
uh, get involved directly with the criminal because they were trained to, to use that version when they uh, approach. And the last four callers in the previous hour, they were talking about their incident. With the American Indian guy, I, I, I feel for the gentleman because I was in the pizza store, another coincidence, uh, with my mother, and the call came in with his partner. And, uh, you know, before the gunshots went off, I was out of the pizza shop. Uh, I just got to tell you, uh, Eric Adams and other mayors throughout this country better uh, find better forms to train officers because the best thing you could do is to watch your back as an officer, get your backup. Uh, and I've heard different opinions of what a police officer should do, what their training is, how many years of service they have on the job. And I'm not an expert. I was just a volunteer. But I dealt with officers that are seasoned officers who have large amounts of training and experience with criminals, and they've never been shot on the street. They've always been able to apprehend the individuals and take care of business. Now, this does not apply to every officer in this country or in the New York City Police Department or Nassau or Suffolk Police Department. They all have different forms of training. And I feel bad for when an officer falls down because they couldn't deal with the criminal. And that hurts the wives, the family, and we have a tragedy right there. Well, we, we, we have a tragedy. We have a tragedy right now. I thank you for the call. We have a tragedy right now as it relates to, and, and this is not just a local story. We're talking about terrorism as it impacts the NYPD. And this 19-year-old um, suspect in custody who was wounded attacked three police officers with a machete. That's a story that's obviously going to be receiving a lot of traction in the days ahead. Let's go back to the issue of Trump and whether or not January 6th disqualifies him. That is a ridiculous argument that is made by a fellow Republican, the governor of Arkansas, Asa Hutchinson. Let's go to uh, Regina. Long Island, New York. Good morning, Regina. What's on your mind? Oh, I just wanted to talk about uh, the bigger problems to me. I am a Republican for two years. My closest friends, uh, there's five other people, hate Trump. And when I said policies, they don't care. They just hate him. And one of my friends even said uh, she wouldn't vote for DeSantis. He's too much like Trump. Another one said she wouldn't vote for a Republican because they may have policies like Trump. He's from the the same party. And I can't. And what also discourages me is when New York uh, elected Kathy Hochul with all the crime, when we're seeing all the bad things going on in New York. And Zeldin was a more moderate, even though he was a Trump supporter, I considered him more moderate and possibly able to do it. And he couldn't win either here. So I think about the rest of the country. My friends think a lot of these progressive crazy things are good. And so you know, how do we you, get through, especially with fake media all the time? And, you know, Regina, um, you, you just made so many valid points. Number one, number one, with many people I encounter that despise former President Trump, and I I really don't get it, I don't understand the logic, 
But they really, when you talk to them, what you just illustrated is exactly what happens. They can't even tell you why. They just don't like them. And they think that that's good enough. And when you remind them that the country did pretty good under his stewardship, when you remind them that the southern border was under control for the most part, Regina, they don't want to hear any of that. And so you're asking for a solution. I, I really believe that we've got to pull back. And I don't know exactly how. I guess it takes special leaders, Regina. And then I want your take on this. It takes special leaders. I don't know if it's DeSantis. I don't know if it's Trump. But I can promise you this. If Biden does run and he's reelected, the pandering that we see currently across the entire country, Regina, it's only going to continue. It's only going to continue. It's it's becoming it's becoming more outrageous as we go on. The military, the 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 Marines being told to stop you, sir and ma'am. I mean, think about that for a second. And these are the types of ridiculous things that are occurring throughout the country. And then, and then. Uh, you know, when it comes to our law enforcement, they're treated horribly, horribly. Anything they do, they're second-guessed, and the criminals can basically do whatever they want. Pick a city, any city. Pick a state, any state. Regina, in your opinion, before I move on to the next caller, how do we turn this around? Well, one of the problems is one of my friends, who's a little more reasonable, she wanted to see facts. And if she goes on the Internet, she says, I go on the Internet, I don't see the facts. I, I the, the areas that we have limited access to the truth. And we need some big millionaire to try to buy a mainstream source where the mainstream, at least at the beginning, before they turn away, may see some of the truth. Why I changed to be a Republican after being a Democrat my whole life. Mm. And, and uh, mm. you know, they're, they're not hearing anything. Right. And, and Trump, I love Trump. He would be my candidate. But uh, the hatred that I see, even on Truth Social, his site, people are on there just so they can attack us for liking him. It's ridiculous. I try to ask for policies. I talk policies to them, and they don't respond, like you said, to the policies. They just respond to the name of Trump. Right, right. And Regina, you know... uh... And I thank you for your call, and I want you to have a beautiful morning, and I hope I hope that you are off to a, the start of a great year. What thank I also you. often hear when it comes to President Trump is Twitter. And, you know, could could he be nicer on Twitter when he was on it? And it was despicable what Twitter did to him. 
the president of the United States. But it's we don't vote for a president in terms of their comments on Twitter. We vote for them as a as a leader. We vote for them for their ability to impact policy throughout the world. We vote for them to improve our lives. And it is undeniable that the country was on the right path under Trump. The path that we are on now, I don't even know how to begin to define it. Because right now what we're dealing with is a president and a vice president that caters and panders to the Black Lives Matter crowd at the expense of all of us, all in the name of votes. Dominic Carter here with you in for Frank Milano and the other side of midnight. Let's go to Robert in Suffolk County, New York. Good morning, Robert. What's on your mind? Good morning, Dominic. Good morning. I believe after hearing Trump's announcement about what he would do after he may win the election, he would get behind the Constitution of his country, the supreme laws of the land, and enforce it against those who seek to subterfuge it and defeat it. I can get behind that, and everybody else should. They really should. The rule of law should be applied to everyone in this country. I don't care what your political stripes are. For the record, I'm a registered Republican and a constitutional conservative. Fair enough, Robert. Fair enough. But I I think what we should all agree on is that we have to return to law and order. And and the southern border has to be shut down. I mean, it... I, you know, Robert, I, I, maybe shut down is not the appropriate word. Maybe that's wishful thinking on my part. But something has to be done. Something has to be done. And so Biden, uh, still in, uh, I believe he's in St. Croix, or he's on his way back soon, is flirting with the idea that he's going to run again, that he's going to run again. Robert, how do you see that playing out? He's not capable of leading this country. He doesn't have the mental faculties anymore. Hmm. Hmm. I believe he has early onset Alzheimer's, and they are hiding it. Right. Well, Robert, we appreciate your call, and you have a great morning. Dominic Carter here with you. You are listening to The Other Side of Midnight. The Other Side of Midnight. I'm here. Frank Morano has the day off. Frank will be back tomorrow. We are taking your telephone calls. I'm with you folks until the top of the hour. And then Curtis Sliwa is going to come in and Curtis Sliwa will pick up the final two hours of the other side of midnight. We are going to take a break, but we are taking your telephone calls 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. 
And if you want to reach me on social media, you can reach me on Twitter at Dominic TV, Twitter at Dominic TV, Facebook and Instagram, Dominic Carter TV, Dominic Carter TV. We'll be right back. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Dominic Carter here with you. We are taking your telephone calls, 800-848-9222, the other side of midnight. I'm in this morning for Frank Morano. I will be with you until the top of the hour. That's when Curtis Lewa takes over at the top of the hour. Let's return to the uh, telephone calls. Let's go to Michael. In the Bronx, New York. Good morning, Michael. What's on your mind? Good morning, Dominic. Happy New Year to you and your family. Same to you, sir. The problem, I you know, I don't know why they, nobody sees this. For the last six years, or when Trump does his rallies, now I'm a Democrat, card, card-carrying Democrat. I'm, I'm, I know I'm not part of this party anymore. They, they're too far left for me. But whenever... Trump does his speeches. He goes, the Democrats want this. The Democrats are causing this problem. The Democrats are causing that. So, Mr. Trump, I voted for you twice, and you're slapping me in the face. It's not the Democrat. It's the Democrat politicians and leaders. He should separate the politicians from the body, and then maybe he'll win by acknowledging that the Democrat Party, the the people like me, are, are Americans and the people and the politicians are separate from us now. So he attacks the whole Democratic Party, and if he just went after the politicians, then he might get the Democratic uh, body on his side. If you get what I mean, I I hear you. Trump versus Biden, round two. Who wins? I don't believe Biden will even meet, get there. Well, there's talk that he's going to run. Alzheimer's, either through Alzheimer's or um, uh, somebody running against. I think at the end, Biden will not be against him in in 2024. And uh, I I believe that whatever happened in 20 is going to happen in 2024. Whoever voted, it's it's all. This country is divided in half. And that's that's the, the scary part. We're, we're divided in half, so um, it's going to be the same thing. Biden will win in 2024 because he's going to get the. They're going to do the same thing over that they did in 20, and the Republicans or whoever's and, and Trump's party will not be able to to counter what the the party did in 20. They're not. They didn't counter it in 2022. And they're not going to be able to counter it in 2024. So the Democrats and and Biden will win in 2024. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Thank you for the call, Michael. I I just don't see the full scenario of how Biden could win. I, I I just don't see it. Any Republican candidate pointing out the border, Afghanistan, inflation, I can go on and on and on, 
I don't see how Biden could pull this off. I, I just, I just don't, I just don't see it. But, you know, the last time it amounted to uh, anybody except for Trump, that was basically the argument as uh, Biden was kept in his, uh, in his basement uh, during the uh, coronavirus pandemic. And it worked. It worked. Let's go to Hudson, our friend Hudson in the Bronx, New York. Good morning, Hudson. You're on the other side of midnight. Good morning. Good morning, Dom. Good morning, Dom. It's always good to hear you. I'll, I'll say this first, and I, I, I know you, you know you probably get tired of hearing this stuff, but you are so relaxing to hear. And I know you know where I work, and I know you know that. You know, my, I, I get yelled at by my wife all the time. I have to wake up at 430 in the morning, and I still wait every single night to listen to the end of your show. <laughs> well, that's kind of you. Thank you. But we need you to get your rest. Yeah, I know. I know. I got bags under my eyes. Um, but uh, so I just want to say one point is, is <clears throat> I know we talk about the same thing all the time and it's the same subject and, you know, everything is kind of on repeat and whatever. If we're going to win these elections coming up and if we're going to change this country, clearly nobody wants a civil war. Nobody wants a revolution. Because that is one option, and that is one option where there's a lot of people in New York where they wouldn't even know where to go. But the only other way to win this is we have to do what they're doing because everyone keeps talking about, hey, you know, you know, they got this ballot harvesting, they got this, got that, whatever. We don't want to do that. We have to go on election day and vote. No, 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 no. no the only way to change the rules that they put in place is for us to get in power and then change the rules. So – I know that we only have a few media outlets. I know that we have this. I know that we have the New York Post, kind of. I know we have Fox, kind of. I know we have Newsmax. But we need to start talking about – hold on. It's the door bumping. Lulu, come on. Um, but the things that we have to do is we have to start telling people, hey, listen, get out there. Do the ballot harvest thing. I know that people don't like to hear it if you're conservative and Republican. Do the barbecues. Do the events, do the concerts, do what they do. This is the only way that we're going to do it, and we need to start talking about it on this radio show, in the Post, on Fox, on Newsmax. We need to start talking about these things on how to win these elections, or else nothing is going to change. These people are going to be in power forever, and they just raised their salary. They gave themselves a $30,000 raise. So now all these I, – I can't say scumbags, can I? Whatever. These, these kids coming up. That's what they're going to want to do now. Hey, you know what? I can just do that job. I can become a political guy. I can be a guy. It's the only way to change it, Don. The only way. I'm sorry. Something something definitely has to change, Hudson. I, I, I want you to um, do me a favor and get some rest, my friend, uh, because <laughs> you do have to get up and go to work. And, and, and I appreciate you and the common sense approaches that you bring to the issues. But but for the, for for the good of the country, it, it has to change. We can't continue along this path of this full left progressive the squad nonsense. It's destroying America. It's destroying the country. Are you seeing it firsthand, Hudson? Absolutely. And and Dom, you know. And first of all, I'm off work tomorrow because I work at a school, so I'm I'm good tonight. But um. I'm seeing it firsthand way more than a lot of other people are because, A, I live in New York City. You know what I mean? So 
I see it firsthand on the streets, which is crazy. I mean, this, you know, you know what happened to me and my wife. It happened the other day again. I didn't even call you about it. Almost the same thing happened the other day. So I see it on the streets. I see it in the schools. It's happening firsthand, and that's the thing. We need to do what they're doing. Somebody said, and you might know better than me, Doug, someone said something that what they were doing with the ballot harvesting, um, the people on the left and the safety Abrams and stuff like that, they were throwing barbecues and they were doing things like that, is why don't we, if, if there's a rally, like if there's a Trump rally, if there's something like that, why don't we go there? Again, I don't know how it works. And we have everything ready for everyone there. So if there's 40,000 people, it's like, hey, listen, what's your name? What's your number? Vote right now. Get it done. Early voting. You know, things like that. Another thing, by the way, and I'm sorry I'm kind of spinning too much out right now. The one thing I hate about Republicans and I hate about conservatives, and it's probably the only thing that I don't like about Trump because I love Trump. Why are they not in our communities? Why don't they come to the Bronx? I hate that they don't do that. I hate that they don't come to us. Why? Do you know the answer to that? Uh, it's a historical answer where in the past it didn't really work out. But Lee Zeldin changed that a little bit in the state of New York. He changed it a little bit going going to non-traditional areas for, for Republicans. But Hudson, uh, under the big tent theory, it definitely needs to improve and get better in communities across the country. I appreciate you, my friend. I do have to move on. I want you to get some rest. Have a good night, brother. And and, and love you, too, and have a uh, great morning. Let's go from the Bronx, New York, to Brooklyn, New York. Let's say good morning to Ann. Good morning, Ann. You are on the other side of midnight. Um, Thank you very much, Dominic. You do a great job. Thank you. Um, Regarding this matter, um. This is all by design. If Fetterman, who won as governor, who obviously was totally unprepared, who had his personal issues, they were staring at the public out in the front. He did win. I'm not saying that, you know, the others, the other um, the other candidate was that perfect, but this candidate was clearly incapable for to, to take this heavy duty office. Biden is a prop. He is a prop there. They want him there like that. And unless our elections are straightened out, things are not going to be any different. When you say and straightened out, what what the our elections straightened out? But I'm not. I'm. I'm. I know nothing about. I. I just know that it seems that it is such a mess. The the way the elections are done, the excuses, and 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 the lack of of of. I don't know. There is no cohesion here. There mm-hmm. has got to be some basic stuff that has got to change. Our borders have got to be secured, A, number one. Number two, these elections must be fixed, but they don't want to do it. They don't want to make this change. Listen, let's face it. When you have a marriage 
where two people are are not getting along and one absolutely refuses to work it out or negotiate, what can you do? It just continues to get worse. I well, don't know. Well, and Claire, Dominic, yes, Dominic, yes. one thing I guarantee you, you will agree. Prayer is the only thing that will make the difference. We have to pray to God at this point and beg him for mercy that things can get turned around. Well, and you, you, you agree. I agree. You said two or three times that you don't know. It sounds to me that you know a lot uh, in terms of diagnosing the problem and the potential uh, solutions. We just have to get it done. And I greatly appreciate you and a happy new year to you. I do need to move on. I have uh, quite a few calls I'm trying to get get to before the top of the hour. Let's go to uh, Pamela in central New Jersey. Good morning, Pamela. What's on your mind? Good morning. You know, I agree prayer, but God helps those who help themselves. During the midterms, on in my neighborhood, there were tons of Democrats with huge loose-leaf notebooks with applications to vote, and it was totally legal. So we have to get off our rear ends and stop complaining and do the same thing because it's legal and we have to be proactive. Every time I go to the grocery store, I talk to people. I find out, you know, and, and every little bit of information helps because, like Hudson said, we're not getting the information out like the Democrats because we're censored. So we have to do it on foot. You know, they did it during the colonial days. They did a lot of that by foot, word to word, mouth to mouth. Because they were outnumbered. Do you know most colonial people were for the English? But they still did it. So, Pamela, uh, what do you think of uh, Trump and uh, the possibility of of him uh, uh, capturing the nomination? Well, if we don't get Trump, we're going to be in serious trouble. And and I tell you, a lot of people are thinking of even leaving the country, but there there's nowhere to go because communism is everywhere. How about DeSantis? DeSantis will have his time, but he's got to sit back and take care of Florida. Mm, He'll have his time. We, we, we need him in the future. Well, we appreciate you, Pamela, and thank you for the call. Let's go now from central New Jersey to Brooklyn, New York, and say good morning to Vicky. Good morning, Vicky. You are on the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. I'm Dominic Carter subbing tonight for Mr. Morano. Go right ahead. Hello, Dominique. I just want to say to you a happy new year to you and your family. Thank you. And uh, just wanted to say... Um, my whole decision to just, I've always been a Democrat, and my whole purpose to just leave the Democratic Party was the total disregard, I believe, for women and children. It was um, just completely disenchanting, the complete monopolization of the media, shocking, so shocking to me that I no longer wanted anything. I even stopped watching the television because I just see it as such a brainwashing media, um, medium, sorry. And um, it's just a complete, you know, um, for uh, the, um, 
the realization that people would not step up and defend children, that was the shocking thing for me. That is so shocking to me. Um, I heard you speak about your son and referencing uh, about, oh, he's not gay and, and such like that, but I mean to to expose the children in a manner that they have no capacity of mind to appreciate or understand. You're, you're referring to the drag queen hour now? Not necessarily that, even though that is part of it. It's just the whole agenda, you know, with, with exposing little children who don't even have a sense of self to things they cannot, they don't have the capacity of mind to appreciate. And no one actually, you know, well, no, not to say no one. Um, the the whole media, you know, there's just this agenda that is being pushed towards um, individuals that are so vulnerable. It's, it's just, that's just a very shocking thing to me. Well, Vicky- for me, if you can't stand up for women, vulnerable women, uh, if you can't stand up for children, I really don't understand what you can stand up for. Okay, Vicki, I can can understand that. Thank you. And and there are many of us that agree uh, with your assessment in terms of what you just said. I want to go to Joe and Ron Conkama on Long Island. Uh, We're running short on time. Joe, I want to get you in. Good morning. What's on your mind? Good morning. Happy New Year. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Um, I, I catch you on my way into work every day, and I think you should get more uh, more airtime. You're great. I have a big-time call for Frank. I agree with you 100%. We need more law and order. We need Trump back. I felt safe when Trump was in. I've been depressed ever since he lost. I helped with Lee Zeldin's campaign. I dedicated three months over the summertime helping. Lee Zeldin should have won. Um, I believe that if we can just turn our state around and open up to common sense, respect the police, um, this thing of legalization of marijuana is destroying us. Uh, You teach the kids to say no to drugs, and now they're hearing that it's legal to smoke pot. I think it's wrong. The country's going a definitely wrong direction. Joe Biden is a joke. He's, he's destroying us, Dominic. Uh, like it's, hey, Joe, Joe, you just made a lot of sense. I'm just completely out of time. I wish I could speak to you again, Joe, uh, perhaps another time. Folks, you are listening to The Other Side of Midnight. Frank Marano will be back tomorrow. Coming up now is Curtis Lee. He will do the final two hours. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. History was made on a day where the Buckeyes, Ohio State, lost it to the Georgia Bulldogs without Herschel Walker coming out of the backfield. Another great sports star, Pete Rose, the all-time Major League Baseball hit king who received a lifetime ban from the sport for betting on games in which he managed just placed the first legal sports bet in the history of the state of Ohio at the Hard Rock Casino. And it's clear that the state of Ohio knows that it's much better if you're going to have gambling occur, which was occurring in the black market for many, 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 many years, most of it controlled by organized crime, 
from numbers to horse racing, that it's better to legalize and get a slice of the action so the taxes can go in Columbus, Ohio, for the social will, for education, and even for paving over streets with potholes. And the taxpayers are going to benefit. Back in August of 1989, an investigation into Beat Rose's gambling was completed. It was found that Rose had bet on baseball games and had bet specifically on at least 50 Reds games. Because remember, he was a manager at a minimum, a minimum of about $10,000 a day. This guy was a degenerate gambler. For nearly 20 years, Rose then denied ever having bet on sport. In 2004, he did finally say, yeah, 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 I wagered. And then the commissioner of baseball said, doesn't matter that you did a mea copa, mea copa, mea maxima copa. You're banned in perpetuity. Now you say to yourself, you're advertising in sports venues. Major League Baseball teams get a cut of the action. They're even advertising on college campuses and in college stadiums. And they're enticing those who enter college to all of a sudden open up an account with FanDuel and other online sports activity betting locations. So why, oh, why, oh, why, in a day and age where we are confronted with legal gambling almost wherever you look, you look online, you look on TV, even look at advertisements that wrap around movies that you want to see, or even while you're binge-watching Netflix, From time to time, as you reach for your phone, and all of a sudden you want to update your Facebook profile, boom, boom, pops up, gambling, gambling, gambling. So let's do the right thing. Pete Rose was Charlie Hustle, a guy who was never birthed to be a great athlete, had to do it the hard way. And let's make sure that he gets into the Hall of Fame because he earned it. Because, Matt, just imagine, almost everybody else who's going to follow from now on will be the recipient of people betting on how many swings, how many times did they run to first base in a game, how many times did they grab their jockstrap. Gambling is here to stay, and Pete Rose needs to be in the Hall of Fame. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. Number two on the Billboard Hot 100 just just a few years ago, right? That was considered okay. 
Short people got no reason to live because they were abused and uh, just basically shuttled off to a corner. Nobody wanted to be short. In fact, parents whose kids had no underlying medical conditions whatsoever sought growth hormone treatments for them, right? We talk about hormone treatments, so, you know, going from male to uh, female, XX to XY. But nobody ever talks about how parents will schlep their children in for a process that you would scratch your head and say, what the hell are you doing to your kid? Well, I don't want them to be short. Because remember, everything in our society, it's got to be big. Big is good. Small is no good. The biggest buildings, the biggest businesses. It's got to be bigger because it's better than envisioning your offspring, right? I mean, think about that. Nobody nobody ever really goes out of their way to criticize those uh, parents. But they do when they take hormones to change their gender identification. And I get that. But... Um, while Frank Morano is uh, away and his crew is away, I have no idea when they're coming back. Hey, excuse me, uh, uh, Joey and uh, Carmine, uh, Carmelita, whoever it is there, although I should know who she is, our phone screener, since she's from Canarsie, where I was uh, born and raised. But uh, think about that. Uh, we're now Monday, right? Monday is not a holiday. Last time I looked, Monday is not a holiday. No, it is a work day. And yet Frank Morano, he's gone. His crew is gone. I guess nobody wants to work anymore. We'll talk about that later on. Then uh, Sid Rosenberg in the morning, he's going to be gone. So that means our owner-operator, talk show host in his own right, celebrity booker and producer. All of that wrapped up. It's like he's a Quinella. He's got to come in and substitute, and I'll be in the morning with him substituting uh, from 6 uh, to 10. And I wonder how many of my other colleagues here at the number one news talk station in the nation, WABC. That's right, I said WABC. And uh, as a New Year's resolution, I don't want to ever hear this crap by any of the managers, the markets, the suits here. Oh, you know, it's a Frank Morano nationally syndicated show. You, you can't mention the mothership uh, station. Oh, yes, I can, because I'm proud of that. Maybe others aren't. Maybe others want to hide. Oh, we can't. We don't want to. We don't want to damage uh, the ego of any of our affiliates who are nowhere near as big and nowhere near have the history of WABC just having celebrated our 100th year anniversary. Well, guess what? Every time I come on the air, I'm going to celebrate that fact because it's great to be proud of that. And every time I come on the air, I'm going to do something that each of my colleagues should do, and they don't. And that is to not only mention that we are broadcasting from the number one news talk station in the nation, 77 WABC, but from this Bernard McGurk studio. A greatest of all time as a producer and talk show host. He uh, multitasked uh, for Imus in the morning and then eventually uh, finally got his own shot to do his own show. He requested that. Sid Rosenberg be brought up from uh, Florida where he they were measuring him for uh, a grave. And as you know, you can't bury him too deep in Florida. you got to bury him above ground because of the sea level. Uh, brought him back, and they become the dynamic duo, the best morning talk uh, show 
in our tri-state area, and I would suggest into the many areas that we're broadcasting now, 38 states, parts of Canada, a sliver of Europe, and right on down to Davy Jones's locker between the Bahamas and Bermuda. So we are broadcasting from the Bernard McGurk studio. You, you think maybe we could get into the habit as we come into the new year, 77 WABC radio, and we're broadcasting from the Bernard McGurk studio. Is that so difficult? I realize it takes away from their talk time. You know, how they scratch their belly earlier in the day, how they had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and, uh, you know, they're musing about what life is. Just the basics. And that's why I'm going to lead a charge. Although I've never experienced what it is to be a short person, and I acknowledge that heightism exists. That's right. I'm going to call it heightism. Uh, We have um, sexism. Uh, right? We have uh, all kinds of isms out there. We might as well have heightism. Because parents are wrongly thinking that height is the key to success and belonging. Oh, yeah. They figure the taller you are, the more acceptable you will be. And I've seen even adults go through torturous surgery in which they have to have their legs broken. I mean, imagine that. Your legs are broken. And then you have these rods inserted to give you height. And maybe you're taking yourself from uh, five foot eight to about six foot, five foot eight to about six one. And it takes you a year to recover. And the three inches, what, makes you feel like you're a better person? I don't know. Let's open it up. Let's find out who is out there in the world of Frank Morano. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And I said to myself, it's time. It's time that short people fight back. Absolutely time that short people fight back. Because now is the time to be short. As a non-short person or as somebody who... uh, has exhibited heightism from time to time. Let me just say that how many times when my kids were growing up, I had uh, Anthony, he's 18, he's my oldest, Carter, 13, he just had his bar mitzvah, Hunter, 11. How many times would I hear their mothers decry the fact that the kids were eating them out of house and home, growing out of the shoes every week, Having to get new pairs of shoes, it was almost like a badge of honor. Hey, uh, my kids are eating like gerbils here. It's fine. They're healthy. And yet, if they were shorter, we would save money. We would save food. And they would fit into the same pair of shoes for a year. Growing like a weed? No, thanks. How about just having them grow like a cactus? And remember, short people don't just save resources in this world that is shrinking ever so rapidly, where we have 8 billion people and we say we're running out of resources. We're going to have to eventually ship people to the moon, to Mars, to beyond. But as resources become scarcer because of this exploding population and climate change and global warming, you know, the best suited folks for long-term survival, (laughs) and jamming them into spaceships, whether it's Elon Musk who does it or Bezos or whomever, whatever other billionaire comes along and wants to get involved in the spaceships. We're eventually going to be forced off this planet. 
And don't you think that shorter people would have a much better opportunity at surviving and existing? I mean, big big people, they need a lot of food. (laughs) They're going to die first. And think, when you mate with shorter people, you're potentially saving the planet by shrinking the needs of future generations. You're lowering the height minimum for prospective partners on your dating profile as a step towards a greener planet. This is something you can do now that it's 2023. Short men have always had to counter these stereotypes that they might have to compensate for by having much positive attitudes, being louder, having a Napoleonic complex. How many times have we heard, oh, that short guy over there, you know, uh, he's got a Napoleonic complex. How many How many times have you listening out there have had to uh, suffer to a degree because people are looking at you because you take charge, you happen to be a short guy or a short gal, and they say, oh, they have a Napoleonic complex. They're trying to make up for their shortness by yelling at all of us who are staring down at them, right? It's not about being aggressive and mean. Short men behave in smart, strategic ways that can also mean being pro-social. Let's open up our phone lines, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Wow, we have no short people in the audience? I, I thought this was a nationally syndicated show. You mean everybody is six foot and taller? Don't lie to me. Don't lie to me. I, I'm looking at some folks uh, right now who are texting in here, and I'm checking their social profiles, and they look like it's shorty shorts to me. Are there no people out there who will defend short people as we come into the new year? Let me, a non-short person, a person who has actually exhibited heightism, the way some people would exhibit sexism and racism. Oh, you're going to be talking about racism in the next hour because apparently if um, if you exercise, if you go out there and you try to lose your body weight, you are perpetuating white supremacy. I kid you not. That's the new line there. If you uh, if you perpetuate exercise, uh, whether before, now, or in the future, you are perpetuating white supremacy. Our number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. But I'm going to give you the stats. Let's break down the analytics. On average, short people live longer and have fewer incidences of cancer, and they have fewer cells. So there's less likelihood that one of those cells is going to be infected. Aha! You see, I'm coming up with the arguments. I'd take that over dunking a basketball any day, uh, potentially being cancer-free, having been a victim of cancer. Hey, I'd rather you not have to go through that situation. And in a world of 8 billion people, it's time that we shrink think, right? What are we doing in the supermarkets now? Because of Biden inflation, they are shrinking products. What used to be 16 ounces is 14 ounces. You look at it on the shelf, you say, wow, I'm paying the same amount of money, but it looks like they shrunk that project, uh, that product. Right? You go for the Charmin t- tissue papers. Hey, where's, where's Mr. Charmin out there? You know, to squeeze the Charmin. There are less sheets of tissue paper, yet you're paying exactly the same amount of money. I heard somebody uh, with Dominic Carter talk about paying $7 for a box of cereal. Is that box of cereal the same size, or have they shrunk it? 
So I want you to shrink, think, consider small superior, calculating that proportions are shrinking 10% ever so quicker on the supermarket shelves. And you could end up saving 87 million tons of food per year, not to mention trillions of gallons of water, quadrillions of BTUs of energy, and millions of tons of trash. Hey, man, I'm doing this pretty damn good. Rather than try to knock up like three inches, imagine there are there are adults who will actually submit to an operation in which they knock their kneecaps off and then they insert rods and it takes a year for you to even be able to walk again just so that you could have three extra inches. Just so that all of a sudden, instead of 5'8", you're 5'11". Oh, I feel so much better being three inches taller. But the time is right for the short people to rebel. And I'm not talking about the Lilliputians. I'm not talking about the march of the wooden soldiers that we just saw. You know, the Christmas special. But they claim that was anti-Semitic and that was racist, so they knocked that one out. But I have noticed when I have been amongst the short people that the only time I am ever of use to them is when I'm in a grocery store and all of a sudden they have to reach to the top shelf and they can't do it. And they say, you think? I say, no problem. I got this. And I feel like I did something good that day. I felt nauseous. I felt like I was a, a mensch. No, no, make that a double mensch that I was able to reach up and pull down that 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 uh, that bounty that bounty towels for the short person, and they were so grateful. But I could see in their eyes they only wished they had the length in their limbs where they could have done it themselves. <sighs> Makes me feel good, though. You know, in some corners of the world, a celebration of what can I say? Being a pygmy can't say that anymore. Uh, well, what can you say, man? Gotta be, whatever. what's a term we could use? Short, uh, short of stature. How about that? Uh, that won't offend anybody. Oh, excuse me, young man, you appear to be short of stature. That this can actually become a growing phenomenon. Imagine you're 6'4", everybody's looking up at you. No more. No more. We want to shorten up people, this is what you do. You don't... You don't give them hormones to grow their bones and teeth. And you don't stretch them out on a rack any longer. You want to shorten up your children, restrict their dairy. That's right. Allow them only minimal sugar. This way you'll you'll limit their growth. And you'll save them from the ills that come along with being tall. It's time for tall people to get off their high horse. Now, by the way, what the hell does get off your high horse mean? I mean, I hear that term used all the time. I've heard it since I was a little boy. Oh, it was so much better than when I was a little boy. People did things for me. They said, oh, you're too small. You're too little. Let me do that for you. I am a man of height. I am a man of stature. I am a person that people look up to. Because I was a little boy. And you see, one day you won't be a little boy anymore, Curtis. You'll grow like your daddy, Chester. And soon 
you'll be taller than your daddy. Right? How many times do we look at the sun and we say, my God, you realize your sun is growing like a beanstalk. Not growing like a, a little pod, a little pea pod. No, growing like a beanstalk. And soon your son will be taller than you. And you're all proud. Who says, I see your son is short. He'll never approach the height that you've attained in your life. As if that was an achievement. As if you did something to achieve height. And that person who was shorter than you somehow didn't try hard enough. Uh, they didn't stretch themselves on the rock, the rack. They didn't have hormonal treatments. They didn't have the surgery that knocks their kneecaps off, puts rods in, gives them an additional three or four inches, and takes them a freaking year to recover. But, oh, the moment they recover, they look out for the first time, and they can look down a little more on people. Is it worth it? Absolutely I had to mortgage my house. I had to take a reverse mortgage on my house. I had to take a payday loan. But let me tell you, popping pills, becoming addicted to oxys and fentanyl, oh, it's worth it to have gained three inches. It's because heightism exists. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. I can see we got the Frank Morano audience here. You know, what is that, the $1,000 minute, 10 answers, and they can't even get the first two. I got a bunch of morons out here. Hey, you people special head out there, wake up. Wake up. Oh, my God. What a difference between when I do the other side of midnight on the weekends, and, man, we're pumping. It's jumping to the break of dawn, and now all of a sudden it's like, oh, my God, I have to think. What does he mean by this? Is this tongue-in-cheek? Is he serious? Is this theater of the mind? No. No, now it's the time to be a little person. Let me tell you something. I envision a different world for my children. Well, too late for that. They're going like beanstalks. Anthony, my oldest, is almost as tall as me. So maybe if I ever have grandchildren... I want my children's children to know the value of shortness. I want them to call themselves short drinks of water instead of a tall drink of water. What does that mean, a tall drink of water? I, I, People say that all the time. Oh, you remind me of a tall drink of water. What the hell does that mean? one 800 That's 1-800-848-9222. With legs for minutes. What does that mean? I want my grandchild in the future, whether male or female or non-binary or one of 72 different gender identifications and sexual identifications now, to be able to stand up proudly in their classroom or in their pre-pre-pre-pre-pre-K classroom and say, I'm the shortest of all. I hope the others will bend his knees to gain an advantage, shouting, No! I'm the shortest. I'm the shortest. Instead of claiming you're the tallest and wearing lifts. Come on, I know many people out there, they wear lifts. Like Tom Cruise, right? Like Alan Ladd did. Like Paul Newman. They wore lifts in their shoes, even though they were accomplished actors. Paul Newman no longer with us. Alan Ladd no longer with us. Unfortunately, Tom Cruise is. That Scientologist. But they wear lifts in their shoes. It doesn't matter. They're achieved stars in Hollywood. You walk on the Hollywood Hall of Fame, right? 
on uh, Hollywood Boulevard. You see the stars there, right? In the co- Do any of them say, oh, this is Paul Newman who wore lifts? Uh, Alan Ladd who wore lifts? I was watching this uh, orgy of uh, applause today with the coronation. It wasn't even an inauguration of Kathy Crimewave Holcomb. And I'm looking at her, and she is a really shorty, short, short, short. And she must have been standing on a box at the podium because she's never, ever tall. Think of this this woman who is so short that everyone has to look down at her. It's the governor of the state of New York. And who is her lieutenant governor? Person of no consequence. What is his name? Delgado, right? And she has to look up at him. She never, notice, she never looks up at him. He has to look down at her because she is sitting in the throne, not he. Although if you study the history of governors in New York when they're Democrats, soon you're a Democratic governor and the lieutenant governor takes over because you're ousted for corruption or because you were like Elliot Spitzer, were wearing knee socks and transporting women across state lines, a violation of the Mann Act, should have been going to Camp Fed, but instead you made a deal with the feds. I'm guilty. Uh, can I just resign? No problem, because you're a man of privilege, Elliot Spitzer. Anyone else would have gone to J-A-I-L. <sighs> God, somebody's got to speak for. Uh, well, short people, is that okay? Is that politically correct? Pygmies? No, no. Pygmy, pygmy. Remember, pygmies in the old movies were fierce, even though they were short. Remember, they were up in the trees, and they had the blow darts, the blow darts. Oh, man, nobody wanted to mess with the pygmies. Zulus, yeah, they were tall. But the Brits did not want to deal. Remember, the Brits would say, we'd rather do with the Z- deal with the Shaka Zulu and the Zulu nation. We do not want to deal with those pygmies up in trees with those poison blow darts. Remember, <laughs> I can tell you, trying this battle at the start of the year, trying to help society here. This society has always favored the tall, and that is one of the most blatant and extreme prejudices that will scar us in our society. So many have gone to extremes in the pursuit of a few extra inches. More and more people spending as much as $200,000 to get excruciating limb-lengthening surgeries and parents giving their healthy children growth hormone treatments. No, not hormone treatments to change their gender. Growth hormone treatments with unknown side effects simply so that when you're sick, Johnny, can you... Stand up against the wall. You know how you always do with your kids? You got you got the measurements up there. Oh, you, you grew half an inch. You grew an inch. You're making me proud. What happens to your other son and daughter who's not growing at all while Johnny has gained an inch and you haven't marked on the wall? What are you saying to your other children if they remain short? You're not an achiever. A lack of self-esteem. A desire to put lifts in your shoes like Tom Cruise and Alan Ladd and, yes, even Paul Newman. What have we done to our society? It's time to go short. I am leading this effort to fight heightism. I am guilty of this. I am six feet, 
And I wish I were five foot four instead, somewhere in my lineage. Back to Anton, my grandfather from Poland, from Limanova, near the Czechoslovakian border. He was only five foot. I wish, Anton, I could have been just like you, five foot four inches small. Not tall. Five foot four inches small. Take a vow. This is a new resolution. Our society needs to shorten up, not heighten up. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano on 77 WABC. Yo, what's up? What's up? What's up out there? Y'all doesn't bother me. If you're a rapper too short from the West Coast, right? Short dog from Houston or a little Troy. Be a real baller, man, in your, your Impala. Instead, you know where little Troy is right now? He's driving an 18-wheel tractor trailer, just like his hero Joe Biden did. Wait. Oh, that's right, he never did. He's driving an 18-wheel tractor trailer. You see, in the rap world... When your nickname is short, you're elevated in the stature and the minds of the other rappers and rapettes. Too short. West Coast versus East Coast. We never had a shorty short here on the East Coast, right? What about the old great short dog? Not not large dog. Not big dog. Short dog. And little Troy. Not big Troy. Little Troy. Man, he blew it out in 1999. You remember that in the Impala? Just like Snoop Dogg and uh, Dr. Dre. Remember the Impala, Long Beach, where they chiseled out the marijuana symbols? Remember, they don't have to do that anymore. It's legal. God, what have we done? What have we done? I'm telling you. Wait, in the words of our own mayor, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plans, the hip-hop mayor, in a recent uh, press conference, uh, this is what he said. I I would tell you I met a shorty there, but I can't say that on TV. (laughs) Shorty, what does that mean? Is that a positive thing? He's laughing like a junior high school kid, goofy, like he just smoked his first joint. Hmm. What does it mean when I'm chilling with some shorties? Does that mean because it's not like big blunts? You know, I'm chilling with, no, but help me, help me, please, because I'm going to make whitey whitey here. You know, all I, all I know is what I hear. I'm regurgitating here because I am so sad that I am guilty of heightism. Sexism, racism. Yeah, we're going to be talking about racism. Because when you exercise, you're carrying on a tradition according to people in the know. We'll be talking about that in the next hour. White supremacy. Yeah, yeah, believe it or not. Shame on you, Jack LaLanne. Shame on you. Shame on you, Richard Simmons. You were perpetuating white supremacy and racism. Even though you didn't know it. But I'm going to explain it. In the next hour, somebody who has come to grips with my heightism, my masochism, right? Masochism? Oh, machismoism, right? Is that a word? Sexism. Oh, my God. All these isms. I'm, I'm dizzy. I'm dizzy. I'm suffering vertical. Our number is one 800 
I hope that I will experience a day before it's over for me. When if I'm lucky enough to have a grandson or granddaughter, they will stand up in the pre-KK class and shout out, I'm the shortest, I'm the shortest, and I'm the best of all because I'm short. Will that ever be the occasion? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. I need my music here, Joey. Now, that is not Frank Morano. I mean, he's decided not to come to work. I don't know. He's in Atlantic City still tasting the, the cheese and wine and shooting craps and losing uh, every nickel and dime and penny he's got at the board. Hey, when is everybody coming back to work here? His whole crew is out. Hey, excuse me. It's not a holiday, right? Last I looked, uh, it's after midnight, no more holiday, time to get back to work. But hipsters and millennials, nah, I'm binging on Netflix, man. I'm health. I'm doing my social networking, and I'm, I'm eating. Because then I'm going to have to exercise. But you can't exercise because then you are a white supremacist. Oh, okay. So I'll just get fat. I'll continue to binge on Netflix, and I'll be uh, improving my social networking profile. And how are you going to pay your bills? Don't worry about it, Joe Biden stimulus. What about your student loans? Hey, you sucker taxpayers got it. See, that's what it is. And now you get to smoke legal marijuana, right? See, ah, what do I care? I'm just getting high. I'm just getting high. I'm smoking a shorty. What? What do you mean a shorty? Not a big blunt? No, I'm smoking a shorty. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Tom in Ronkonkoma. Long Island, your turn to be heard here, Tom. Hey, Curtis. Happy New Year. Uh, appreciate what you're bringing to light with uh, the heightism because I have a daughter who is has dwarfism. Um, now, it's spontaneous. Uh, no one in our family has it. It's one in 50,000 births, uh, but it's something that, you know, we're experiencing and, and learning about uh, going through this with our daughter. And you definitely see, you know, the changes in society where bathrooms were altered for transgenders and, and so forth, and yet a good por- portion of the popula- uh, population that has to deal with being short or a little person, um, they don't get those accommodations. No, no, but Tom, uh, Tom, first off, how old is your uh, young child? My daughter's 11 now. Okay, and how how short is he? she? We can't say how tall she- is she. How short is she? She is approximately now, I'm going to say, about 40 inches. Well, let me tell you something. You tell her as she grows up, you got to to reinforce this into her thought process, that being short is better and it is the future and the only way we're going to save this globe and this world. (laughs) I I try to keep her spirits high. There's... um, you know, I, I let her realize, as, as you spoke about the uh, lengthening surgery, um, nor would that be my decision as the parent. It's hers when she gets older. True, but um, also, uh, you know what they're injecting? Uh, they're having parents like yourself. They're telling you, oh, inject that humotrope into their thighs for like three and a half, yeah. four years. Like, what are you? What are you talking about? 
There's, there's also there was also another drug uh, that was in study for the last uh, seven to eight years. It was BMN 111. Uh, that's actually supposed to reverse the uh, some of the effects, or has proven to accelerate. But it's still they don't know. So who's gonna you know really? Yeah, and and I might add, Tom. I might add, right? They'll say, uh, as a parent, as a friend, uh, when you see your daughter there. Refer to her as being vertically challenged. No, she's not challenged. What is this bull crap she's challenged? She's a human being. In fact, exactly. she's got it better now and in the future because with 8 billion people in the world, she'll go a long way. No, I can't say a long way. You see, I'm stuck here in this mindset of heightism. I really apologize to you, Tom, your daughter, and everyone else out there who may have dwarfism or may have been shorter when they were growing up and shorter now than the rest. But heightism exists, Tom. Heightism exists. I am an example of that. I want to make amends because I realize there are billion people in this world that people who are taller, they eat more. They breathe in more air. They drink more water. They generate more garbage. And I am, uh, I want to uh, apologize for the brainwashing we've given women everywhere that it's okay. Men, uh, you know, men are expected to be taller than women. But when a tall woman goes out with a shorter man, let's say a man who's five six and the woman is six foot, everybody looks at them like, what? It's like Henry Kissinger's wife. By the way, is he still alive, Henry Kissinger? Yeah, he's still alive. But his wife is like, she's about a good 6'2". I've seen her like twice before. And he's a, can I say short, he's short? He's short. And it's not because he's old. He's short. But people look at a guy when they're with a taller woman like, there's something wrong about that. The guy is supposed to be taller. Why is that? Can anybody explain that? Who wrote that in the book? That it's okay for the woman to be shorter than the guy, but a guy cannot be shorter than the woman that they're dating or they're seeing or they're uh, fraternizing with or they might actually decide to have as a domestic partner or maybe even marry. (gasps) What do we do? Well, you got to stand on the box when we take our wedding pictures. You know, don't worry. We'll just take the photos from your knees up. Why, 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 why on the why should he stand on the box? Doesn't look right. But if it was a woman, they wouldn't have her stand on the box, right? In fact, it's look when Shaq, when Shaquille O'Neal looks down at his latest conquest, because he's got like all these women, and he's looking down because they're so short. He's proud of that. But imagine if it was you reverse. What would people be saying? I know what you're thinking, Joey, right now. It's not right. Carmelito, Carmella, whatever your name is from Canada. Curtis, you forgot my name already. It's Camellia. Yeah, Camellia, whatever. And, of course, there's Kevin Joe walking around like, gee, I got to be the producer to this guy who was a high school dropout. Well, what the hell? I got to tell him that the new term is vertically challenged. Why are they vertically challenged? We are challenged by our height. We have to sometimes bend down, right, so we don't hit our head. They never have to bend down. They don't have to worry about hitting them. How many times have you walked into a room and you, it's like a truck uh, in which the driver didn't assess that that truck is never going to get through that tunnel. And all of a sudden, bang, 
How many times have I done that? Twice. And I ended up with a, hey, they call it a soft concussion, whatever. I've had so many of them. When do short people, or as Kevin Cho says, you have to call them vertically challenged. Why? Are you going to throw me off the radio? When have they ever bumped their heads? Right? No, they never have to duck down. That's the benefit. They never have to duck down. Why can't we look at all the positives here? Let's go to Howard in Elmhurst. Your turn to be heard here, Howard. Thank you. And thank you for getting things down from the shelf for me. I I appreciate it. Uh, well, uh, being a hike leader, uh, many times I, I was glad when I had a taller person with me to grab handholds and... Uh, uh, you know, so it made life a little difficult, but it never – it was sort of a challenge to figure out. I, I would step on – I would put, put uh, pieces of wood to make it higher, to get up higher. But anyway, when I was in high school, I was the shortest kid in the class, and they lined us up by height. And one kid had lo- high, had higher hair than I did. So he, he purposely – he said, oh, I'm taller than you. I'm taller than you. And one shop teacher told us, uh, if I had a higher, you know, if I had to choose between a potential candidate for a job, I would always choose the taller person than the shorter person because he can do a better job for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this has existed. And by the way, Howard, you grew up in Elmhurst. How many times we'd be riding along the LIE and we'd look over there and there were the gas tanks, the natural gas tanks. And when they were filled, they were tall. They would say, look, look, the cap is on top of the tank, which means it's filled with natural gas. When it was depleted, the cap went down. What happened? It got short. Notice, right? We looked and we said, there's something wrong with that. When it's filled, it's tall. When it's depleted, it's short. That's right. And when there there was a wonderful movie a few years ago called Downsizing. How short of people saved the planet. They shrunk people. Yeah. Well, well, look. Look at what they're doing to us. We go into a supermarket now, both to you, what uh, Kevin says, I have to say, according to uh, HR, I must refer to you as a vertically challenged person. I read already. Uh, But to me, a person suffering from this curse of heightism, imagine. We're out there. We're dealing with this in a world where we have to survive, and we're both in a supermarket. You're looking at the second shelf. Because of my height, I'm looking at the fourth shelf. But notice, what have they done? They've shrunk all the product. They charge us the same amount of money, but they've shrunk it because of Biden inflation, right? That's right. So you see, Howard, I'm I'm out to help you this year. This is my New Year's resolution. Heightism has got to go out the window. And we have to promote people who are short. The short is better. And short is the future of our universe. What does Frank Morano talk about most times when he decides to come to work, right? Little gray aliens, right, who come out of UFOs. Notice, they're not tall gray aliens. No, 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 no. Not like in... um, Oh, that was so good. I was so, I'm thinking right now, wow, when I was a little kid and I turned on that black and white 13-inch TV and it was the Twilight Zone. Remember the aliens in that episode were taller than us, taller than us. Why? 
Why did Rod Serling make them taller than us? Because what he was suggesting was that they were superior to us, right? When we know, when you listen to Frank Morano, Monday through Friday is from 1 to 5 when him and his crew decide to come to work. Why do they talk about little gray aliens as if they are superior to us? I ask that question. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. was number two on the Billboard Hot 100 just a few years before maybe two of you were birthed out there because the rest of you are like me, 55 plus, you're baby boomers. But we grew up with, uh, in the Cold War, with Rocky and Bullwinkle, right? Rocky J. Squirrel and Bullwinkle, Boris and Natasha. Can I hear a little Rocky J. Squirrel and Bullwinkle, please? Come in with that. I need that to, that inspiration here. Number 45. Think about that. When we would watch that cartoon in the Cold War, when uh, the tall guy was Dwight Eisenhower, remember, he was the tall guy. The short guy was Nikita Khrushchev, right? We will bury you. All right, enough of that music, enough of that. Nikita Khrushchev took his shoe off in the General Assembly of the United Nations, the short guy, and he said... We will bury you, and he always had to look up to at the kitchen cabinet meetings with then-Vice President Richard Nixon. He had to look up to Nixon. He had to look up to uh, to uh, Dwight Eisenhower. He had to look up to JFK. And yet, he led, and we ended up following. We had to build bomb shelters. We had to do duck and cover because the little guy was threatening us. Think about Rocket J. Squirrel and Bullwinkle. There was Bullwinkle. He was taller than Rocket J. Squirrel. Rocket J. Squirrel was short. And yet, Rocket J. Squirrel was the brains of the operation, right? Right? I mean, if given the choice, who is going to be the shot caller? Rocket J. Squirrel, shorty short, or Bullwinkle, J. Moose? And then, of course, you had Boris and Natasha... Boris was the shot caller. He was the leader of that spy team, spy versus spy, like uh, right out of uh, Mad Magazine, Alfred E. Newman, What Me Worry. But see, spy versus spy were exactly the same height. Boris was short. Natasha was tall. And yet we thought that Boris was the leader of the pack. 
And then, of course, it was Fantasy Island, Fantasy Island, where you had Ricardo Montembon, who was welcoming uh, the rich and the well-to-do to the island. And who is it that alerted everybody that the plane was coming? The plane was coming. Now, let's be honest. When you were watching Fantasy Island, you weren't watching for Ricardo Montalban. You were watching for Tattoo. You were saying, wow, that's a really short guy there. Well, he's a pretty damn good actor, right? How many times did you say? Right, right. That's why you watch Fantasy Island. You couldn't get enough of Tattoo. Ricardo Montalban, you saw him in Cannes, right? Well, Star uh, Star Trek, you saw him in other, nah, nah, but Tattoo, that was unique. Let's go to the phones, uh, hmm, to uh, original Rick in Jersey, your turn to be heard here, and I'm proud to say it on WABC, original Rick. I'll say it again, WABC. Thank you, could you say it one more time? W-A-B-C. And let the whole nation hear whoever is part of the syndicated uh, Frank Morano national program. What is the mothership connection, original Rick? W-A-B-C. Are we proud of that? Are we proud of that, original Rick? Oh, I always have been. Thank you. Okay, now you can continue. All right. Two things, so don't cut me off. First thing, I I used to have a friend that was a lumberjack. And uh, I don't know if you know lumberjacks, but you got to be a giant to be a lumberjack. Okay, and he always used to say he was a modern dinosaur. That if ever there was a natural disaster and food shortages happened, he and other big people would be the first to go. Exactly, exactly, original Rick. And and my father used to tell me, never date a tall girl or a cheerleader because they cost you a million dollars at the restaurant. Very good, very good, original Rick. Very good. Yeah, so there you go. And remember, who would we flock to see at the Museum of Natural History? What, what, what was the biggest draw for all the years that was featured in movies? You would always see Tyrannosaurus Rex, right? Tyrannos- oh, yeah, T-Rex, man. You had to go see T-Rex. That was it. That was the draw. But you would never, ever want to see the small dinosaurs, of which they had. They had a whole display. of. The, in fact... You don't even know what their names are, do you, Rick? No, no, because I had dogs bigger than that. What did I want to see that for? But the point is, everybody went to the Museum of Natural History to see Tyrannosaurus Rex. Oh, absolutely. I got to tell you, I got to fight this. We got <laughs> Rick, Rick, are you guilty of heightism? How tall are you? Uh, I was 5'11", but, you know, I just got, I, I, now I'm five nine and a half, 70 years old. You shrink, man. Now, do you shrink like the products on a supermarket uh, shelf uh, because uh, Procter & Gamble are trying to screw us by giving us a feeling that you're paying the same amount of money for the same product, but they, they don't tell us that they've shrunk the package? No, no, the package hasn't shrunk, Curtis, because I've gone through with this. It's what's inside. Uh-huh. Now it's only filled two-thirds. So you think you're getting, but if you shake that box, you realize, there's nothing in here. So, like an Amazon box that arrives, and I hate Amazon with a passion. Oh, yeah. right. How many times do they send this huge box, right? And you're wondering, what the hell is in that box? 
You open it up, and it's stuffed with all paper, and then there's a little box in there. You see, yeah, it's, all the time. it's all the image that bigger is better, right? All the time that I, I get those giant boxes, and I know I only ordered a little thing. I go, what the hell is this? And I shake it up, and it's like, a, a, you know, it's like a toothbrush in a giant six-foot box. What the think, hell? Think in the future when you have this mad passion for double-stuff Oreos, you know, double-stuff Oreos, and you realize that some of the Oreos in there are placebos, that they're not really stuffed with anything original, Rick. Oh, listen, I had a friend who made 10,000 ring dings without cream once. He wasn't watching oh. the and, he, and they sent them out. So 10,000 kids were disappointed when they bit into it. You mean all they got was the chocolate and no yeah, cream? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the machine ran out of cream, and he didn't know. You know, the you know. First, they started with the ring dings, and then <laughs> it went to the devil dogs, and then from there, oh my God, it was endless, endless. Thank God they had Twinkies. Thank God they had Twinkies because you see, because in the next hour, Rick, we're going to be talking about racism. Those who chose the ring dings, that was black, chocolate black. Why did people choose Twinkies, which were a little orangey, sort of like um, the color of uh, Donald Trump's hair when he's had a bad, you know, dye job? He's like, orange. But how many people, when you went up and down the aisles for your Drake cakes, your own prejudice kicked in and you said, no, I'm taking the Twinkies because I'm not taking the ring dings. I'm not taking the devil dogs because I'm racist. Wouldn't admit it. But that's why you kept devouring the Twinkies and you really wanted the ring dings. You really did. You wanted to taste it. You wanted to compare it. And you said, no, if I go to black... I mean, never come back to the uh, Twinkies, right? I mean, come on. Think about that. And imagine there's now the theory out there that the resolution that all people make in New Year's that they're going to lose a little weight, that if you do it by exercising either the Jack LaLanne way, the old school way, or the Richard Simmons way, you are perpetuating white supremacy. Yes. Now, notice, you would never hear these kind of issues on the Frank Morano show. No, because I have perfected what is called theater of the mind. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Fear City, New York City where the media has always said if it bleeds, it leads, has registered its first homicide of the new year, 2023. Its first birth was to a Chinese couple in Brooklyn. Its first stabbing death was over a parking spot in the Bronx. How ironic. It was Sergio Garcia, 63, and a friend of his who was stabbed along with the 38-year-old woman in front of a building on College Avenue near East 170th in Claremont Village, not far from Yankee Stadium at 4 a.m. in the morning. Now, can you imagine this? You know at 4 a.m. in the morning, there's probably plenty of parking around. It's just you got to ride round and round and find a parking spot, whether it's on an avenue or a side street. 
But the guy gets killed over a parking spot because there's a group riffing with him saying, no, no, that's our spot. And he's saying, no, I got it first. How many times have we seen that before? How many times have we seen a little fender bender as a result of one car bogarting the other car and pulling into a spot leads into an all-out brawl? People will reach inside, they'll pull out, pull out of their trunk or underneath their car, wrenches, sticks, pipes, bats, and occasionally knives and guns, and they'll go to war over freaking parking spots. In this particular case, there were no arrests, but that's typical of the NYPD. And you say to yourself, in a day and an age where we have road rage incidents almost all the time, just simply by people cutting each other off, flicking the bird to one another, and then all of a sudden gesturing to one another. Come on, come on, you're a tough guy. Go ahead, pull over here, pull over here. Wait, we're on the Cross Bronx Expressway. There are cars going back and forth. I don't care. Pull over here and we'll settle it here. People need to calm down. Maybe everybody needs to be on liquid Prozac. Imagine you're going to get out of your car and you're going to fight over a parking spot. And just think, if you parked illegally, you could have been the first person of the year to get a ticket. You know, whether it's for a parking violation or a moving violation, the police officer at that precinct would have said, oh, you did me a solid. A parking violation and a moving violation keeps the sergeant away. And, oh, yes, yes, Mayor Adams, like previous mayors, whether I liked them or I didn't like them, there is a quota imposed on tickets. Oh, you'll call it a performance guide like previous mayors. No, it's a good old-fashioned quota. And if you don't write up your expected number of summonses, you'll be walking a beat in Coney Island at 3 o'clock in the morning, freezing your tuchus off. Imagine a fight over a parking spot leaves a man dead in the Bronx in New York's first registered homicide of 2023. And you can bet there'll be many more to come after this. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. Here we come, walk down the street, get funniest looks from everyone we meet. Hey, hey, we're the monkeys, and people say we're monkeying around, we're too busy singing. The monkeys at one time, when they were put together like a Spinal Tap group in Los Angeles, simply to do a Saturday morning uh, sort of sitcom. I think it was on NBC, actually were more popular than the Beatles or the Rolling Stones. The monkeys. But just imagine, ladies and gentlemen, if uh, the monkeys, instead of being McWhitey Whitey's white band members put together as a first spinal tap, were actually uh, young black men. Would that have been racist to call them the monkeys? Let me think about that, right? Was it racist that. When Jimi Hendrix was the opening act for the Monkees, the number one desired group in America, and they had all their fans packed into the Forest Hills Tennis Stadium. 
that when Jimi Hendrix came out and ripped his guitar, Purple Haze, he got booed off the stage. Were they racist? No, in fact, Jimi Hendrix never said they were racist. He just said they don't know what music is. They'd rather hear the monkeys than me. But I would guarantee you, if it were today, and you had a group that came together as the monkeys round two, and they happen to be black, immediately there would be a call. You can't call them the monkeys because that's a racist term. Oh, yeah, everybody now is so sensitive. All right, enough of the music here, Joey. Kill it. Now, uh, I noticed that Frank Morano, the other side of Midnight, and his crew, all of his crew, right? Let's see this. Uh, Matt Blaze says, uh, Matt Blaze definitely is a fugitive with a name like that, with uh, probably many aliases. And then you got Alex, his uh, producer, the biggest brown nose in the business. He's got his schnoz right up for uh, Frank Stuckus. And then Ken, the runway model, who they call a telephone talent coordinator, who cannot ch- chew gum and think at the same time. I noticed they're, they're out of here today, and it's a work day. Uh, the, the holiday's over. I mean, when are they coming back? And then I see in just a few hours, I'm here substituting for Sid Rosenberg. Uh, Macedonian Phil, who he likes to uh, smack around uh, like a human piñata, he's here. But nobody else from the morning crew will be here. But John Katsimatidis, the owner-operator, great talk show host in his own right, producer and celebrity booker, he'll be here. And I'm scratching my head, and God only knows how many uh, other well-paid talk show hosts who think that this is work will not be here today. Uh, I don't know yet what the lineup is, but I can only imagine from last week's Missing in Action, maybe Greg Kelly, maybe Bo Snurdly, who knows. Wouldn't it be ironic if George Santos shows up for work to get sworn in to the new House of Congress on Tuesday, which is the 3rd, and our talk show hosts and hostesses have not yet returned from an extended, extended, extended holiday. Would that not be ironic? That George Santos, and rightfully being attacked, criticized, I believe he shouldn't, Uh, be seated and sworn in. But then again, the Republicans need that vote for McCarthy, who's uh, hanging by uh, a hair in order to become the next Speaker of the House of Representatives. And I will tell you this, there is a very good chance that George Santos will show up for work and be sworn into the new Congress. Then uh, our crews will come back. I guess people don't need to work. I don't know. It's a new generation. They're binging their Netflix, they're scratching their bellies, they're attending to their social networking, not the station social networking, their own personal network. You know, hey, look at me, I got 10 trillion people following me. Hey, sucker, they're all bots, right? You, you can buy them off of Spotify. Come on. This is Curtis Sleep. I know where all the bones are buried and who buried them. Oh, look at me. I got 500,000 followers. Not. You bought them on Spotify. People buy them. Man, incredible. But let's get back on track because this is very disconcerting and alarming to me that so many people are deadbeat slackers. And just think that here at WABC, that's right, I said our mothership connection is WABC, the number one news talk station in the nation. It took so many, so many hours working so hard to not only resurrect us from the graveyard after the purchase by uh, John and Margot Katsimatidis, but everybody worked hard. 
so the station could become number one again with the most iconic call letters in the nation. Uh, it's hard to become number one. It's harder staying number one because you have to work twice as hard because everybody is shooting for you. But, hey, what the hell, you get a paycheck, you know, you walk around, talk about what great talk show hosts and hostesses you are, how many social network followers you have, half of them are bots. Hey, you think life is going to go on like that? No, it's not like that for our listeners out there. They don't show up for work, they get fired. Oh, God forbid I say that. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So let's first go through the laundry list of what is considered racist now as we've raced into the new year. Remember we were told in the summer of 2022 that, oh, monkeypox, you can't say monkeypox because it's discriminating and it's stigmatizing. And in fact, if you continue to say monkeypox, it plays into the racist stereotypes about black people, Africa, and LGBTQ plus people. And then now all of a sudden, monkeypox didn't go away. Monkeypox uh, has been around a long time. <laughs> trying to remember exactly when I think I was first reading about monkeypox. Well, it'll come to me. But it's a long time. I think in the 70s. Yeah, 70s, I think. Uh, in fact, I heard of monkeypox before I did HIV AIDS. And now all of a sudden, people are being diagnosed with monkeypox, not as many as in the summer, because what have they done? They've been vaccinated or they've decided not to have the urge to merge, right? Because how do you uh, transmit monkeypox? Through sex. Oh, so, gee, I don't want to get monkeypox, so I won't have sex. Makes sense to me, but what the hell? If I want to have sex, I'll just get vaccinated. But now all of a sudden, nobody's making a big stink about it. I mean, think about that. What was considered racist, and it had to go away, it was discriminatory. In fact, it was stigmatizing, as was said by members of the World Health Organization. It's potentially devastating and will have stigmatizing effects all over the world. Now, all of a sudden, what is it called? If all of a sudden you went to the uh, Board of Health and you said, gee, I think I might have monkeypox. Could you test me for that? They will know exactly what you mean. They will not correct you. Uh, I don't know. They, they, they created an acronym, MPOX, as if you didn't know that was monkeypox. You know, it sort of goes in line with the fact that you had Kathy Quinewave Holcomb who was sworn in today was like an orgy of eight hours of self-congratulations. Oh, you're great. No, I'm greater. Kathy Crimewave Holcomb, who promised that she's going to create affordable housing, not. And she's going to actually promote public safety, not. Uh, eight hours of a coronation and an inauguration. It was like a democratic festival at taxpayers' expense. And uh, she uh, recently signed into legislation a law that says you cannot refer to uh, anybody locked up as an inmate. Nope, not in a jail, not in a prison. You must refer to them as incarcerated persons. Why? Under penalty of what? And then recently she signed legislation that said you cannot refer to people bum-rushing across the border, as they are doing every day, as illegal aliens. They are undocumented aliens. And I said, well, what are the consequences if you say what I say? They're illegal aliens. Just wait, Curtis. We'll get you, my little pretty, if it's the last thing we do. And this guy, 
apparently North Carolina, of all states, was on the radio and he said illegal aliens fired. He's like, really? So what was considered racist in the summer, monkeypox, remember? There were lines going around. People were nervous. You know, we knew that it was transmitted by sex. 99.9% it was homosexuals who were, kind of, uh, who were getting it, right? And now all of a sudden, no no longer. Wow. Can I have a test for monkeypox? Yeah, yeah, sure. Here's the test. Wait. You still call it monkeypox? Yeah. I, I thought it was racist and discriminatory and stigmatizing and would impact people of color and members of the LGBTQ plus community. Well, that was then, and we've gone on to other things now, six months later. That's one. That's one. And naturally, what do you always do when the ball drops in New Year's? You're making New Year's resolutions. For people who do lazy radio, they always say, well, what are your resolutions, Right. And you get an hour worth of people giving you the resolutions over the radio, and then you hear the host or hostess's resolutions, and you're <laughs> lazy radio. You can predict it every year at the start of the year, right? Somebody comes on, hey, this is my resolution for the new year. Uh, I'm going to exercise because uh, I'm overweight. Okay, and then everybody calls up, these are my resolutions. And you know within 15 days, you're no longer on that resolution. So Netflix has decided that they are going to begin offering fitness content from Nike this week as part of the streamer's latest efforts to attract subscribers and keep existing members engaged and helping them with weight issues. They have 223 million global paid subscribers. Not bad. But I don't know how they do that in the face of the fact that the white supremacist origin, white supremacist origins of exercise have now surfaced. You need to know that if you exercise, and you're a McWhitey Whitey, you, you, my friend, you are promoting white supremacy. In fact, I remember uh, Jack Lane. I used to wake up in the morning, Jack Lane. First of all, remember, you go to sleep at night, there'd be the national anthem, the flag would be flying, and then it would go to a test pattern. And then if you were an eager beaver like I was to get up, you turn your TV on, it was still a test pattern, and then all of a sudden it would come on programming, and it would be the 4-H report. You know, they'd teach you what was happening in the farms, and you would say, hey, I'm here in New York City. You know, you got to learn what the farmers do. It's the 4-H report. And then, before Captain uh, Green Jeans and, uh, who is that, Captain Green Jeans? Why am I messing up on that? We come on Jack LaLanne. Jack LaLanne was dressed all in black. No, it's not like uh, Zuckerman. It's not like uh, any number of people who dress all in black, uh, like uh, James Dolan, owner of the New York Knicks and Rangers and the Rockets and Radio City Music Hall, Madison Square Garden. This guy was born on third base. He cannot chew gum and think at the same time. But he's dressed all in black. And obviously a number of other people have been dressed all in black through the history. But Jack LaLanne was dressed all in black. And on that stage, he had only a chair. And Jack LaLanne would do isometrics and calisthenics. He never lifted weights, Jack LaLanne. 
He would simply do isometrics and calisthenics, and he was like the healthiest guy alive. In fact, he would go into San Francisco Bay, and he would pull an ocean liner while swimming and holding on to the rope and pulling an ocean liner. And he did it here on the Hudson River in the shadow of the George Washington Bridge. I'm taking you back. I'm Rod Serling. It is the Twilight Zone. Back to the days when you were a little child and you turned on that TV. You missed the Farmer's Report, the 4-H Report. But there, there was Jack LaLanne. And now, here is a man who will show you how to feel better, look better, Jack LaLanne. Good morning. Happy Monday morning to you. Thanks very, very much for letting me come into your home. You know, my name is Jack LaLanne. And I'm here for one reason and one reason only. To show you how to feel better and look better so you can live longer. Please keep your dial right where it is because I want to become real good friends with you. You know, there has been so much talk of late about the importance of exercise, the importance of better nutrition, the importance of positive thinking. All of these things we are going to learn together. I like to consider myself as your personal physical instructor and your health consultant coming into your home every day. And boy, he didn't give you an invoice. You didn't get charged for that. TV free? Every morning, Monday through Fridays, Jack LaLanne, free. Calisthenics, isometrics, and he would give you tips about vitamins and healthy eating. In fact, I had an opportunity to meet Jack LaLanne in Denver, Colorado. It was me, it was Jack LaLanne, and I think two other people of no consequence, and we were putting things into a time capsule. Speaking of uh, uh, Rod Serling and uh, his great program, The Twilight Zone, we were putting uh, papers into a time capsule that was being buried up in the Rocky Mountains, not far from uh, Colorado. Jack Lane first, and I was second. And I was talking with Jack Lane. What a what a stand-up guy he was. And... Uh, when I started the Guardian Angels in Venice in West L.A., he had a gym out there, but not a gym like uh, on a Schwarzenegger would go to, you know, World Gym or Gold Gym, you know, where they were dumbbells just lifting weights. No, no. He was a believer in calisthenics and isometrics and that you could actually stay in shape by using a chair, not to sit on with your tuchus, but to use as an item to do stretching, to do exercising. And he was a proponent of that. If I only knew now what this study tells me, that white supremacy is how exercise develops. I would have said to Jack LaLanne there on that stage in Denver, there was 4,000 people in the amphitheater right on Colfax across the street from the cathedral. You, Jack LaLanne, are perpetuating white supremacy. Yes, according to this, you're a white supremacist if, in fact, you uh, continue to pursue exercise like Jack Elaine. And then you speed it up to Richard Simmons. Remember Richard Simmons? Totally different than Jack Elaine. Completely different. But he didn't lift weights. I don't ever remember Richard Simmons uh, lifting weights. But, oh, boy, he could appeal to people and get them to the point where they would cry together. There weren't enough Kleenex boxes in the world uh, by the end of a uh, Richard Simmons workout special in which uh, his participants would cry, cry, cry along with them. I think they lost weight just from the amount of uh, water content, since your body is con- con- 
constructed mostly of water. You lost that water and just crying your eyes out. I know some of you want this very bad. I know some of you are living in a body that you don't want to live in anymore. I want some people to come up who promised that they're going to start now. Let tonight, let right now be your starting day. Richard Simmons, I met you one time in Atlanta. I should have told you in Atlanta you were, again, outside the convention center. There were like like 10,000 fanatics at that time. You were like number one. You know, everybody wanted to come and cry with you while they lost weight. You were perpetuating white supremacy, Richard Simmons. You didn't realize it. And resurrecting her career... And she no longer was making movies after she went over to North uh, Vietnam and pledged support to uh, Ho Chi Minh, the North Vietnamese, the Viet Cong. She got underneath that ACAC gun. She started simulating, firing it in the air at John McCain and the uh, other American pilots as they would go on sorties and bombing runs of uh, Hanoi and uh, other cities in uh, North Vietnam at that time. And you know how she resurrected her career? No, it's not that she married Ted Turner. She did that, and then she did Chop Chop with Jimmy Carter and his wife in the Atlanta Braves, Fulton County Stadium, you know, when Ted Turner owned them. No, that's not how she revived and resurrected her career. You know what she did? By being uh, the number one promoter of uh, VCRs. Her workout tape was number one in the nation, number one in the world. Are you ready to do the workout? This is a beginner's workout. Stand with your feet a little more than hip distance apart. Stomach tight, buttock pulled in. Go out of your torso and head right to and back to left. Stretch it out front and to the right. Yeah, that's how she revived her career and then got back into the movie scene and then was sitting next to Ted Turner and Jimmy Carter and his wife as they were doing Chop Chop in Atlanta, Fulton County Stadium. But can you imagine the politically correct Jane Fonda now, darling of liberals and progressives, if I were to say to her that all those boxes of VCRs that she sold, millions of dollars worth and predominantly were purchased and used by white females that she was perpetuating white supremacy. And I'm going to tell you how, Jane. I know you're up there in years now, and you may have a difficult time fathoming this, but some of your colleagues on the left, those who are progressive, have said that white women started building up their strength because they needed more white babies. That's right, because during immigration... And soon after enslaved people had been emancipated, they realized that, uh, holy crap, these immigrants who are these uh, dark people, olive-skinned people, and these black people who have been emancipated have been procreating faster than white women. So, white women, it's time for you to start building up your strength because we need more white babies. Didn't you realize it was part of white supremacy? Jane Fonda, you should be ashamed of yourself. You should impale yourself because you, Richard Simmons, and according to those in the know on the far left, 
the woke generation. Yes, you, Jack LaLanne, you were perpetuating old-fashioned white supremacy. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. This is now the theme song to Sid Rosenberg and Eric Adams, Swagger Man with No Plan, who has a new moniker, Out of Town Adams. Lower that down, Joey. Lower that down, huh? Yeah, yeah. Supposedly, Sid Rosenberg was with the mayor when the uh, ball dropped in Times Square. Uh, did he post any pictures? Uh, did he uh, Did he have a stream? Because, you know... Uh, you know, Sid Rosenberg, he is a, what is that, a narcissist? He has narcissism. I have a lisp when I said it. But it was interesting earlier today, actually earlier on Sunday when my wife Nancy was here, we do a family show every holiday, Christmas, New Year's, Easter, Thanksgiving, because we know there are a lot of shut-ins. We know that there are people who are on their own. They don't have family or friends. So we do that, and it's really appreciated by our audience. But normally here, when people decide that they're going to work on a work day, you can't uh, really go up and down the corridors here and take notice of everything. But now it's like the catacombs. So my wife was going up and down, and she said, Curtis, there's so many pictures of Sid Rosenberg without a shirt on. Is that guy a narcissist? I said, uh, whatever you say, Nancy, uh, that's... That's part of the definition. There's no doubt about that. And then I walked through the uh, catacombs here, empty as it is. I, we could turn it into a storage facility. And she was right. It's like everywhere you look, it's Sid Rosenberg with his shirt off. I almost want to be like uh, Ashcroft, who was the attorney general for Bush 43, who when making announcements, they would have the statue at the Department of Justice, the uh, statue, you know, uh, that would be uh, that would pr- promote justice is blind, and the female statue was showing its mammary glands, and he actually took a drape and he covered him up because he was a real hardcore holy roller from the heartland of Missouri. I'm almost feeling like I got to do that. You know, you can see Sid's face, you can see all of that, but it's almost like we got to cover that. I've counted like four or five pictures. <laughs> That's definitely the, the narcissist or whatever. But actually, uh, right now, Joey, I want you to play Mammy. Uh, Frank Morano uh, is the president of the Al Jolson uh, Appreciation Club. And remember, this is the song that Al Jolson did on stage and on film in which he did it in blackface. Mammy. Everything seems lovely when you start to roam. The birds are singing the day that you stray. But wait until you are further away. Things won't be so lovely when you're all alone. And uh, there's no doubt that it is time. He was a great performer. 
first on the silent pictures and then eventually the talkies and on stage and in vaudeville. And he is uh, Frank Morano's preferred entertainer. And he was a great entertainer. I mean, a great one. But when he did the blackface, obviously people didn't want that shown any longer because that was considered racist. But when we play the song without the blackface, I don't think you would perceive of that as being racist. But then again, you know, you never know nowadays. You never, never know. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Like I said, I'm looking at hipsters and millennials here on the other side of the studio wall, and I got to say to myself, hmm. <laughs> I'm looking at this Wall Street Journal piece that nobody's going to read because it came out on January 1st as people are either recovering from their hangovers or hanging out with family and friends or watching football or going out and buying pot at their legal pot stores, especially the one that just opened up in Greenwich Village in New York or the 32 of them that are open in New Jersey or those that are open up in Massachusetts. Anyway, it's interesting. The Wall Street Journal is saying that your co-workers are less ambitious and bosses are having to adjust to the new order, that a growing number of workers who consider themselves professionals are working less and less, and they're taking more holidays and extending the holidays and taking other steps to what they say is contributing to a better mental health quality of life. I guess that would apply to our colleagues here at, uh, can I say that? Yes, WABC, the mothership station, the number one news talk station in the nation. Uh, the people who are not here uh, were telling me, you can't say WABC. Why? It's a syndicated talk program, you know, Frank Morano, syndicated other stations. I said, that's good. But why wouldn't we want to promote the fact that he is broadcasting from the Mothership Connection, the number one news talk station in the nation, WABC, with the uh, most historically important, iconic call letters ever in radio. Well, we don't want to offend our affiliates who might feel that they're they're operating in the shadow of WABC. No, I don't think they're going to feel that. In fact, I think they're going to be proud to be part of a network in which the broadcast is coming from the historical epicenter of where first spinning stacks of wax came from, Top 40 with Cousin Brucey and the other jocks, and then talk radio with all of the hosts and hosts. And let me argue with them. I'll make that. Because I don't really think they, they think that. I know. I've been at those two watch stations in the middle outside of Dubuque, Iowa. They don't feel that way. <sighs> they don't feel that way. But then again, I'm not a suit. I'm not a mock. I've just been doing this for 35 years. I've traveled the country. I've done all kinds of talk radio as a guest. And also hosting shows. They'd be proud to be affiliated with WABC. Let's go to Brian, who's calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, oh, yeah, Brian. Yeah, yeah. I know I'll have a chance to find it. Out there, I don't have no chance to find it. I won't find it, period. You feel me? Yeah. Hmm. Hey, Brian, you finished your conversation there, Brian. No, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, Jarvis, what's up? Uh, Who are you talking to there, Brian? My wife. 
Oh, okay. I can't interfere with that. I was going to ask you who's more important than me now, your wife. That's right. Okay. Good. Good choice, Brian. Keep the marriage together. Good choice. Uh, I was calling about before when you mentioned the little people. Yeah. Well, she's she's about 5'8", and I'm like 5'4", 5'4", 5'5". Now, what was it like when you were dating? Because she's obviously slightly taller than you. Did you get strange looks? Yo, we get them anyway because we're interracial. Oh, well, I know what that is like. My first yeah, wife, yeah. I married in 1972. Boy, it was too early in my life and her life. Uh, a year later, she met Jacoby. I met Myers, and we went our separate ways. But, boy, that's tough enough, an interracial marriage, and the fact that she's taller than you. And I'm in Crown Heights. Oh, and you're in Crown Heights. Oh, man, that's why I went to school. Oh, of course. <laughs> Uh, I was, uh, what'd you say, the 70s went out? Yeah, married. Yep. That's when you got married. So that was problematic in and of itself, an interracial couple. That wasn't common then. It's very common now, not then. But what about, put that aside, the color difference, the fact that they saw that she was taller than you. Yeah. Let's be honest. It was a problem, right, Brian? They looked at you like... What, what what are you doing? Right, and they're looking at her like, why are you why are you out with this shrimp? Right, that, that's what they're thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we get. I got weird looks. Like, it's like yeah, some people smile, some people look at like weird. Boy, ask us all the questions. Yeah, I'm in yeah, Crown Heights is Jewish too. They always ask me if I'm Jewish. Over here. I'm Italian. Man, that is an anomaly. Italian yeah. in Crown Heights. Yeah. <laughs> What? How the hell did you end up in Crown Heights as an Italian? I could see if you were a hipster or millennial. I could see if you were the few Irish that were remaining there. I could see if you were a reformed Jew or a Hasidic Jew or Lubavitch. How the hell did an Italian guy end up living in Crown Heights? A long story. I used to live in Park Slope before this. Oh, now a lot of people, a lot of people don't realize, Brian, that back then, Park Slope, which is very trendy, very hip. Very unaffordable mm-hmm. now. Lots of hipsters, millennials, the woke people, liberals, progressives. Was yeah. one of the most dangerous neighborhoods in New York City. Mm-hmm. The gangs up there be like between Sunset and the Parcel. Yeah. Now, what, what 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 high school did you go to? Grady. Grady. Okay. Which high school did your wife go to? Which one you got? Yeah, I went to George Wingate. George Wingate High School. Right here in Carl Wingate. Okay, Wingate, ooh, downtown yeah. Brooklyn, right? Yep. Man, you know, let me tell you a story about Wingate. Now, no, actually, excuse me, I correct myself, T. I, Wingate is right there in the shadow of uh, Brooklyn, excuse me, of Kings County Hospital. And, yeah. it, was, and it was in the shape of a pillbox. <laughs> right? It looked like the Pentagon, the same shape as the Pentagon. It still does. That's the gym. It still does. Yeah, I, I know. In fact, you know who went to to uh, to Wingate? Marty Markowitz went to Wingate, uh, and he was um, he had a single mom. He grew up in the projects, and he said, "Man, when I went there, because he thought he was going to Erasmus, they said, no, 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 you're you're now zoned in for uh, Wingate.' He eventually went on to become the Brooklyn Borough president." 
he said it was the strangest feeling because there was never a school built with those dimensions before. Never. Mm-hmm. Yep. Joy mm-hmm. Junior High School got some crazy in and out and exits, back steps, all of that. Now, I got to ask you, you don't mind if I could talk to your wife a second. I'm not hitting on yeah, Brian, you know, you know, I know it's okay. But well, well, I also I got one more thing. Yes. I, I was my my cousin, Anthony Shockey, when the 80s and 70s, I was with him and I met uh, your guys in the Angels. Yeah, I, I remember Sharky. Doesn't he work on the Staten Island Ferry now? Uh, I don't know if he's, he's doing security, I think. Yeah, he's on the Staten Island Ferry. I see him often. Yeah, there. Excellent guardian mm-hmm. angel. Excellent guardian angel. Yeah, he was still in Staten Island. All right, so now I'm, I'm still trying to get to this, but you're, you're, you're making it very difficult. Me, Could I speak to your wife for a second? Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm here. Yeah, I'm not going to hit on your wife, okay? I just need to ask a question. What is, your, what is your name? My name is Tayasha. Tayasha? Tayasha Shante Bannister. Oh, my God. <laughs> that yeah, is an attractive name, Tayasha. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Now I understand part of the reason that your husband was attracted to you. But. <laughs> Thank you. What? Was it like you're going out with him? He's shorter than you. What kind of looks were you getting? Um, very weird looks. Some jealousy. <laughs> but it didn't bother me because I love him. No, I know that. But weren't there other women that me. other women that you knew who were saying, "Why are you going out with a guy who's shorter than you?" Yeah, he's like Tasha. Why every time? It got to be some short guy. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. And notice there was a stigma. And now I have launched an effort, my resolution in this new year, when the ball dropped just uh, a little more than 24 hours ago. I was here with my wife, Nancy, our cat rescue cat, low key, the owners and operators, John and Margot Mm -hmm. Katzmatidis and Rita Cosby. And I have made a vow that because I am guilty, I, I, I say to the world, I am guilty of heightism, that I am going to come to the defense of men and women in the world like your husband, Brian, because short is better and it is the future of the world. Yep. Do, I, do, I hear, do I hear amen on that? Do I hear amen? Amen. Amen. That's mm-hmm. right. So, you know, I have many things I do within the course of the day, but this is going to be a serious thing. And I want to applaud you for not only having the relationship, but keeping it together, unlike me, who has had many relationships and they've all gone south. Stand lost, Curtis. Yeah, no, 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 actually, it was their game. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <sighs> I got to go out there for a guy like Brian. Heightism exists, and I am guilty of heightism. Some people would say that I'm guilty of sexism. All these isms, you know, I got vertical from them. What we would have done, you know, there used to be a height requirement years ago. Used to be, huh, we need it now. But, oh, that's your know, sexist, you know, guilty of heightism. Used to be if you wanted to be a cop in the NYPD, I think you had to either be 5'10 or 6'0. 
And there were some uh, men, some women who tried to be police officers then, who were like within maybe an inch or a half inch. And there was a uh, guy who actually substituted for me, Tutan Tony Seminario from Queens. He was the assemblyman, a Democrat, but he mostly supported Republicans. And eventually he went to federal prison for trying to shake down the director of Jamaica Hospital by getting on the telephone that was wired up like a Christmas tree and told, F you, you give me the money now or I'm going to punch you and break your face. This was an assemblyman, two-ton Tony Seminary, you know, street guy, grew up in East New York. So I had many conversations with two-ton Tony Seminary, and he told me, you know, Curtis, I really wanted to be a cop. I said, hey, Tony, you know, back then they had a height requirement. He goes, yeah, and I would go. I worked at the Palagonia Bakery right there off Livonia Avenue and Junior Street. And at the end of the shift, when we would deliver the bread early in the morning, We'd bring the truck back into the bay. We had no more deliveries. And the guys, I would hold on. I would hold on to the back bay deck. And the guys would hold me from in the truck and try to stretch me out, stretch my vertebrae. And then I'd lay down on the ground, and they had it chalked out. And I was trying to measure to the exact height requirement to become a cop. And when I went down to uh, the police department to take my height check and you know, they check your eyes, they give you a physical. And it came up, I was a half inch short, no matter what I did to try to uh, stretch my vertebrae. So I ended up joining the correctional department, which didn't have those kind of strict height requirements. But that's what people used to do in order to try to meet the height requirements. Now there's like almost no height requirements. And that's what pisses me off about the cops is they don't put their freaking caps on. So you could have two shorty short cops on a platform. You would never see them because they have their blue uniform on, not wearing their hats on. And you don't see them until you actually walk past and you look and you wonder, are those cops, first of all, you need an electron microscope to see them. Number two, they're not going to put fear in the heart of any thug or thugette. And number three... You better put your freaking hat on so we know you're cops. Because if we need help, who do you run towards? Not a person wearing a blue uniform. You would never know they were cops, not with this kind of uniform. You know it by the police cap that they wear on their head. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Suffering from vertigo, I am a self-professed guilty person having heightism. 
guilty of being charged with using racist and ethnically insensitive language and not using the proper pronouns. Oh, what am I to do? How many times do I have to take to my knee on wounded knee? How many times do I have to buck and bow and take a knee to Black Lives Matter, which has become big, large mansions? Guess what? I never did and I never will. And the moment our police department in Washington Square Park was right on June 1st, the leadership of our police department got down on their knees and took a knee to Hawk Newsom, leader of Black Lives Matter in New York City, that threatened to burn this city down. We lost the war. How dare you take a knee as a member of the NYPD? You don't take a knee to anybody. Not to anybody. We're still suffering the ramifications uh, of that. By the way, I see that Deborah Valentine back in the house. She'll be giving us our one hour of news starting at 5. Noam Layden, our news director, excellent job substituting for her uh, last week. But I think Deborah Valentine knew that the holiday was over, and that's why she's come to work. I see that in the bullpen here we have Diego and not Lou. I guess Lou has decided he needs an extended vacation. Somebody needs to tell him. Vacation time is over. Back to work. But uh, Diego is going to be on the boards. And boy, Diego, you better bring your A game. Because after Deborah Valentine, I'm back for the first hour solo, 6 to 7. And then I'm joined by our owner-operator, John Katsimatidis, who is not only a great talk show host in his own right, the host of the 5 o'clock roundtable discussion, the host uh, of his Newsmaker Edition uh, Sunday morning's Eight to ten, always creating headlines that go viral. And of late, substituting in the mornings when uh, a man who, uh, let's call him a narcissist, guilty of narcissism, as I walk about what is a very empty uh, floor of uh, WABC, as maybe people don't know, they have to come back to work. But I'm looking at pictures of Sid Rosenberg all over the place without wearing his shirt on. And it took my wife, Nancy, to notice that and say, hey, Curtis, is he narcissistic? You know, I got that that lisp over that. I said, yeah, he fits the definition. But he's not going to be back today. Frank Morano is not back today. His crew is not back today. I guess nobody wants to work. Oh, oh, oh hey, a Macedonian Phil is back. Somehow he ran through the gauntlet in Bushwick. He didn't get mugged. He didn't get stabbed. He didn't get thrown in front of an L train or an M train. He made it here on time. But he's the only one from the morning show. I, I don't understand. He's here. Is Justin Ellick here now? Justin Ellick? No. Justin Ellick ain't here. <laughs> oh, man. This is sort of like uh, spinning uh, spinning the wheel of fortune. And see, who's going to be here today? Who's not? Who's going to be out? But I will tell you this, ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't have a chance to hear it, while some of the uh, hosts were out uh, for the week, the vacation week between Christmas and New Year's, our bench uh, did a stellar job. Let me give credit where credit is due. Dominic Carter was doing double shifts, his normal show, 12 to 1 in the morning, right before Frank Morano, the other side of midnight, was outstanding as he would do two hours of the Frank Morano show, 1 to 3, 
And then, as you can see, I'm doing three to five until Frank decides to leave Atlantic City, stop shooting craps at the Bordaga, Borgata, stop testing uh, wine and cheese, and get back to his place and everybody else's place to be WABC. Dominic did an outstanding job. Lydia Serrani, who you hear, the Lydia reports, they're dropped in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. She does a great job with that. Good street-side reporter. She really gets to the heart of the news, and she uh, she really encapsulates it. But then she joins John Katzmatidis on the 5 o'clock roundtable discussion, and uh, she was uh, substituting all week for Lieutenant Colonel Greg Kelly, who I hope is returning to duty today. She did an outstanding job. And the new Jack, uh, as part of our team here at WABC, Anthony Weiner, who you can normally hear on Saturdays from 2 to 3, it's in the middle. And then I join him left versus right, 3 to 4. He is substituting for Bo Snurdly. He did did so all last week. And apparently he's going to do a substitution for Bo Snurdly 4 to 5, Monday through Fridays for uh, most of the week. Oh, by the way, Bo Bo Snurdly was out on Saturday, and Dominic Carter came in here and did a three-hour shift Saturday morning before Larry Kudlow uh, came on at 10. So uh, I just can't say enough for the team here at WABC. Maybe we'll call them the B team, but they earned A-plus ratings. Dominic Carter, thumbs up. Outstanding job. Lydia Serrani, Outstanding job in substitution. Anthony Weiner, outstanding job in substitution. And I know one of the resolutions uh, of our owners and operators of Red Apple Media is to expand the bench here at WABC. We need it. We need that the way we're going here. <laughs> I got I to gotta share with you uh, before I turn it over to the news hour. There was a time that I knew that WABC was in peril. 35 years, most of it, I broadcast on WABC. And hell, uh, if I wasn't going to broadcast, uh, I got shot with five hollow-point bullets on June 19, 1992. And if I could have uh, bled out on the streets and done the show here at WABC, I would have. That should be the attitude of everybody, unless it's physically impossible or events taking place, births, deaths, uh, natural emergencies, that's the only thing that should prevent you from uh, broadcasting. I don't believe uh, you should be broadcasting from your home because you can't do as good a job as you can right here in the studios at WABC. Again, it should be said each and every time that a host or hostess takes to the microphone that we are broadcasting from the number one news talk station in the nation, 77 WABC Radio, in the Bernard McGurk Studio it's great broadcaster, great producer, greatest of all time, who passed away this last year unnecessarily. If he had only gotten a simple blood test for prostate cancer, that's the test. I waited too long. Rudy Giuliani waited too long. By the way, Rudy's been doing his show all through Christmas. He's down in Florida now. He may be actually broadcasting from Mar-a-Lago today. And if he's broadcasting from Mar-a-Lago, I would assume that Rudy... Might have as his very special guest, former President Donald Trump. You want to be listening between 3 and 4 today. He's been at it. He hasn't taken a day off. But there was a time when we were prisoner of Don Imus and the Imus Show. 
And he had lost all of his luster, and yet he still made these demands that the old management succumbed to. Eight weeks a year he was off. And when he was off, he demanded that all of his personnel, led by his producer, Bernard McGurk, Sid Rosenberg, and all the other contributors, also take off eight weeks. And he demanded that the only person that be on the microphone was a young guy named Michael Guzman, uh, Mike Gunsman. Very good. Guns. And then the news guy was Noam Laden. And all Mike would do is basically uh, intro Best of Don Imus, which was really the worst of. And they would play some of the same bits over and over. And I watched this great radio station. Its its ratings just bottomed out. <clears throat> Don Imus didn't care. He was in the ranch. He was collecting his checks. And he was living the high life. Well, that should never happen again here at WABC because, again, as the ball dropped and we all made our resolutions, the resolution we should all make here at WABC is it was a hard road becoming number one again, coming out of the abyss. I mean, this WABC was a shambles. WABC was on the chopping block. Cumulus, our former owner-operator, were going to... We're going to make WABC go black, just like WPLJ, another classic FM station with iconic call letters. It's no longer existing. That was next for us until John and Margot rescued us. We were on live support. We owe it to them. We owe it to all of you, all of you listeners, many of you who depend on us, because we are your friends. We are your extended family, especially as we are during emergencies. But... um, I'll tell you this much. I'll be back at 6 o'clock, 6 to 7. Then I'll be joined by John Katsimatidis, 7 to 10. Then I'll be on from 12.15 to 1. And hopefully, uh, as I start making phone calls and sending up uh, bat signals, it's like, guys, gals, time to come back. A lot of our listeners are going back to work, you know, average everyday people. They got to pay their bills. Don't worry about it. Hey, look, this, uh, this is my time here, right? Frank Morano ain't here. So I'm going to talk it right on up to the hour. And to anybody telling you no, screw them, okay? I'm calling the shots here.